The name on everybody's lips is gonna be Roxy. The lady raking in the chips is gonna be Roxy. She's gonna be a celebrity that means somebody everyone knows. They're gonna recognize her fights, her Reebok shorts, her gloves, her nose. From just the happy warrior, she's gonna be Roxy. Who says that fighting's not an art? And if you think she cannot hang, nobody is questioning. Roxy's heart. Welcome to the Fighting With Myself podcast, the podcast for the average MMA fan, hosted by an above-average man. And I am that man. My name is Juice. And uh, if this is your first episode, you should know that I'm a big Roxanne Modafferi fan. The biggest. She's my favorite fighter. And little in fact, if you didn't know this, uh, she does not like this song, Roxanne, by the police. Otherwise, I probably would have used that song. It was easier. However... I had to dig a little deep. The only other song I know with Roxy in the title. Which, let's be fair, it's my wheelhouse. It's from the musical Chicago. You already know. But uh, let's get started, folks. Um, So we're going to talk about trends in MMA today. The good ones and the bad ones. Um, Before I get into those, um, quick rundown of today's episode. Going to, of course, go into the trends I just mentioned. And um, go over some news tidbits. Also, the forum, everyone's favorite segment, and uh, also give you my picks for UFC 246. Can't wait. Such an amazing fight card. We're going to go over the whole thing top to bottom. My girl Roxy is headlining the prelims. The whole undercard is stacked. This is great. So, first I want to talk about the bad trends. These are trends that I wish would just go away, or at least... Um, I don't know, lesson, if that makes sense. The first thing that comes to mind is um, super fights or the whole champ champ thing. They kind of go hand in hand. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, now, I got to admit, when I first came into uh, the sport, when I first started following MMA, I liked them. I liked the big fight feel. Um you know, obviously the first one to really go for the whole champion thing was was Conor at UFC 205. It just felt like a big moment. I mean, that was a really nice card. And then it was like, I want one. And like everybody started doing it. And it just like waters it down. And I've I've realized that it really like stops the divisions from moving. Like fighters aren't getting their due. Like people that should get a title shot are either having to fight for an interim title or... Uh, they're just not, they're just sitting on the shelf or you have a, a situation where you really like two guys are deserving and, you know, rather than um, have each guy get their shot, you know, in succession, you are having guys basically fight each other. So you kill off one prospect. Uh, it's just, it's just maddening. And so I think like, I, I kind of wish they would go back to the old rules of, you know, if you want to go after another belt, 
you have to vacate that belt. You have you have to actually lead the division. You know, you should as a champion, you, you should be able to get a title shot in the next division, but um, but you have to vacate your belt so that the next guy in line in your division can get the can can get a shot at the belt. Just keep it moving, dude. Uh, it's nuts. Um, and I won't go over this too much because there there are some questions about it in the forum. A lot of you guys are keeping that same energy as I like as uh, we like to say in MMA. Which I should have fucking wrote that down because that's a phrase that should go away. But um, we'll leave it at that. Um, now this next one I'm going to talk about. I want to talk about the good trends because there is a good trend with this, but for the most part it's bad. Uh. And I like, okay, so weight cutting. And that's not really, yes, that's not really a trend, but it's A, something I wish would go away. I wish more fighters would fight closer to their natural weight. I understand cutting is beneficial to an extent, you know. Um, you know, you want to get uh, at your optimum level for, for your body. Um, but guys having drastic cuts and like walking around like sometimes two weight classes above what they uh, fight at, you know, in terms of their walk around weight, not good, dude. It's not healthy. It's just not something I like to see. I feel like it's just like dehydrating yourself to beat up on smaller guys. Not a fan of it at all. Um, but specifically what made me think about this is, um, guys moving down in weight, like later in their career when they should be moving up if, if, if at all, or just stay where they are, like specifically Aldo, right? Recently did it. Um, and, um, Edson Barboza is reportedly going to 45, which is nuts. Like, I wonder if he has always had it in, like, the back of his mind, and then he saw Aldo go down, and he was like, shit, I can do that. Like, dude, I just, I can't, I can't wrap my mind around it. Now, Frankie going down a weight, it's a little bit different because people have wanted him to do that his whole career. He's always fought at his natural weight and fought bigger guys, so I feel like Frankie Eric gets a pass from me. That could be my bias, but I don't really give a fuck. Um... But other than that, dude, weight cutting is just not, I'm not a fan of it, you know? Um, I'd like to see guys fight more at their natural weight. And uh, for for sure, if you're, if you're like, Edson Barboza is a top 55-er, um, you know? Why why is he moving down to featherweight where it's just as stacked? I mean, maybe because he already lost to Khabib, let's be fair. Um, it just, to me, it's just like, why? Like, I don't get it. Now, the next thing I have here is um, guys missing weight. When I say guys, I mean fighters, like in general, fighters missing weight. It feels like it didn't used to happen a lot. And they introduced the morning weigh-ins. And for some reason, this has caused a problem for people. And it was supposed to be healthier. And I believe that it is because it gives you more time to recover. And that is ultimately what we want uh, as as fans, as people who care about the sport and follow it. We want the fighters to be healthy on fight night. Um, but it just seems like there's a bunch of people being goddamn unprofessional and missing weight. Like, why? Like, if you sign a contract that says you're going to be a certain weight on this day, just make the weight. Don't, don't offer up excuses. Don't offer up anything. And here's the thing, dude. No, I won't even get to that. I was going to talk about, you know, a monthly visitor from, from certain fighters, but that's neither here nor there. But, dude, don't miss weight. Like, that's it. Uh, I I, guess I really think they should enact harsher penalties 
We should get rid of the grace pound. Like, you know, everything should be championship weight on the nose, you know. Because um, if you can't make that, move up. Like, that's it. If you miss weight, you move up. And they should be more, like, I don't want to say forcing people to move up, but, you know, you miss more than once, you move up. Like, like sometimes they're waiting for it to happen like three or four times before they say, hey, you should really think about moving up. No, miss weight a second time, it's mandatory. Like, come on, that's it. I know, I, could, I feel like I could do a whole episode on this because it just, it really pisses me off. It really pisses me off because it feels like, you know, if you didn't go those extra steps to make the weight, you know, you're uh, less depleted and your opponent who made weight is at a disadvantage already. And the percentage of the purse they get, it's not enough. There needs to be penalties as well, you know where you know you start the fight in a disadvantageous position or with already a point deduction in the first round something like that that I feel like that needs to happen I, I know there have been some arguments against that saying like you know anything outside the fight shouldn't affect that but we need penalties dude that's it we need harsher penalties you know all right this next um, trend it's not really a trend although it kind of is um, I just feel like you know, it, it sort of recently happened, and I feel like I should talk about it um, in, like, not in, like, the news segment, because that's not, it's not really news. It's just, it's sort of been, like, really bugging me. And that is uh, fighters using the N-word in, like, promotion. Um, I mean, it, just in general, but specifically in promotion. I mean, it's, this is obviously in reference to Mike Perry's tweets, right, uh, regarding Michael J. White. Um First of all, how dare he? Michael Jai White is a legend. Let's keep him. You know, the man is like 52 years old. Let him. Let him do. You know, action movies for the rest of his life. He gave us Black Dynamite. Let's let's uh, let's keep him. You know, tucked away safely. But you know, it's not just him. I mean, Cowboy has said it recently. Um, like on Instagram, I guess uh, Saeed Nurmagomedov, I believe, um, had put a post that was like training with him, and he put like my ninja, let's say, and then. Cowboy had responded to it like, yeah, always good, my ninja, or whatever. Like, it just, it's it's not, it's not cool. And before I, I really get into this, I just want to say, like, I know, as a white person, my stance on this is largely unimportant. I have not deluded myself into thinking I'm some authority on the matter, because it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't refer to me. It's not about me. But I wish other people knew this. Like, I, I've stayed, I've, I've stayed away from talking about this online because I just I wanted to get my thoughts out here in a more put together manner. But I also wanted to to make sure that I knew that I don't necessarily need to be part of this conversation because it's not about me. But I, I will say, if you want to hear a great conversation about it, and I recommend that you do, check out episode thirty nine of the Wocast. Um, this was triggered by um, Nate using the N word at the um, two forty four post fight press conference. And I can remember when they were prepping for this episode, G threw out a tweet asking what people thought about Nate using the N-word. And I commented something to the effect of, uh, it doesn't matter what I think, it matters what you think, and I look forward to hearing your stance on this on the show. And um, for me, this is just, it's so plain and simple. It bothers me that we're still talking about it in 2020. It is a word that has historical significance and shouldn't be used. And I, and I get the angle of, of taking ownership of the word or taking it back. But again, that's not my place. Like that's, you know, that's for, for, for you guys. 
So this this is really just for me to say, if you're not a person of color, don't fucking use it. You know you shouldn't use it, dude. And Phil's people are saying that Mike Perry like got a pass from Tyron Woodley. First off, I think Tyron actually refuted that. Like, I think he was like, I never said it, Isaiah. Um, and secondly, that doesn't give him carte blanche to just say it to whomever he likes or just use it, kind of run rampant through the timeline with it, you know what I mean? Like, let alone against, you know, uh, to a national treasure like Michael J. White. Fuck out of here, Mike Perry. I'll give you an example. I used to work with a Jamaican guy, right? And uh, he uh, was born in Jamaica and then came to the U.S. when he was like six, I think. So he could speak like when he was talking to customers and stuff, he would speak with a perfect like American dialect, like neutral. And then he would get on the phone with his family. He's like, yeah, I'm on a Miko, like super thick speaking like Patois or whatever. And uh, um, he like spoke to me one day, like right after he got off the phone and his accent was so thick. I think I like gave a little of it back or whatever. And he was like, oh, man, that was pretty good. And then we started talking in Jamaican a little bit. So every time I would see him, I would be like, oh, what go on, brethren? And it, like we would have a little bit of back and forth. But that was just between me and him, dude. And he was cool that he liked it. It was funny. And I know that that doesn't give me the fucking like right to be saying that to every Jamaican guy I see. I don't know. Maybe that's unrelated, but for me, it just feels like the 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 parallels are there, the metaphor is there. So, um, I don't to bring it back around to MMA. I just would like to see this word not being used in fight promotion. Um, so that's just my stance on it. Um, I I I just think it's time to like, I don't know. People can talk about it, and I mean, hopefully, we don't we shouldn't be talking about it. We get to a point where we don't need to. But uh, I just wanted to give sort of my thoughts on it that I'm not uh, a fan of that um, word being used but you know that's me all right got that out of our system at least i did out of mine and all right the next one is um separating the art from the artist now for me this is i know that i have a different philosophy on um i don't know fighting in general or just just being a fight fan um and really a lot of things in life i think i have a unique perspective but i don't subscribe to this notion of separating the art from the artist like just like the whole fucking like like people that think like knowing that it's an act in regards to like colby or henry or or any of these fighters to be like Oh, but don't you know they're just act? It's just all promotion, and oh, you should like them for their fights and and their style, dude. First of all, no. First of all, no. Second of all, I I look at outside the cage as a big part of uh, everything. I I almost like the entertainment and the um, I don't know the storylines of fighting. Uh, more so than the actual fights. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love a good fucking barn burner. I obviously love the like nuances of fighting, but for me, like what really made me follow this sport uh, more so than anything else, because I don't watch other sports, is is all of it, dude. And just I, I can't separate it. I can't. I, I cannot. So like that's why I'm not a fan of John Jones because of his stuff outside the cage. That's why, even though he got me into the sport, I'm not a fan of Connor anymore. Uh, just like, 
I can't separate the art from the artist. And I, I wish more people thought this way. Um, like, I, I just don't get the, the notion that I should, like, I, I don't know, wreck commend them for their trying to market themselves or whatever. If, if, if what you're being a shitty person, if you're emulating shitty people, like, dude, this exactly, I was listening to, well, actually, um, a show about MMA and other stuff from uh, Fernando Praches and, um, a long time ago, like not a recent episode. I mean, I listen all the time, so, you know, but, um, an older episode, uh, in regards to, um, Colby Covington, I mean, it was, it was right before 245. So it was just on that whole fight card and uh she said yeah i mean i'm I'm paraphrasing but it was something like yeah i know it's an act i know he's just it's a gimmick but the fact of the matter is there's shitty people like that in the world and you shouldn't be trying to be like a shitty person as your persona like that's my whole thing about it dude um i don't want to just go on a tangent and make this about colby like it's definitely about everyone you know like like that's for me like that's why uh one of the biggest reasons why Roxy is my favorite fighter because she's such a good person and just what she represents and, um, you know, just everything in general. Like, the, for me, like, every fighter that I follow, it's like it's the whole package. It's their interviews. It's everything. So I don't want us to see any, any, I mean, obviously we can disagree on this, but I'm just saying, like, I would like to see people moving forward not want to separate the art from the artist. Like, dude, there's a bunch of fucking Greg Hardy people that are like, oh, yeah, they separate the art from the artist. Like, whatever he did, that's in his past. Let's move on. You know, he's got, uh, he's got, you know, he, he comes to bang, he knocks people out. Like, Ugh. let me just say that one more time. Ugh. Talking about Greg Hardy in a positive, like, fuck out of here with that. Now, the next thing I'm going to talk about sound may sound contradictory, especially when I ended on a Greg Hardy note, is cancel culture. Now, this is not just a trend in MMA. This is like in, over the last couple of years, like someone does something even remotely controversial, like, oh, they're canceled. Uh, bye. I uh, don't want to watch any of their stuff. And yeah, it does sound really controversial, uh, contradictory to what I just said about separating the art from the artist. But I do think we're jumping the gun too much on some of these. Uh, I, I really do. Um, like some sometimes people, like a certain fighter will say something that they don't like or do something they don't like, and they're like, yeah, he's canceled. Like, all, like immediately. And I can't think of a good example because I can't remember the last time I was like, you know, in disagreement with everybody about this. But I, I just think, you know, overall... Cancel culture, I'm not a fan of. Because I'm also a big fan of the First Amendment, fan of free speech. Um, you know, except when it comes to what I said about the N-word. I mean, obviously that's a whole other topic. But um, in general, cancel culture, not a fan. All right, let's talk about good trends. These are good trends that I hope will continue, uh, that we'll get more of. And... The first one is cross-promotion fights. Now, really the only people doing this is Bellator and Ryzen, so far that I know of, um, where they're kind of sharing some of their roster and they'll have like co-promoted fights and they'll have, you know, like Bellator versus Ryzen kind of and things like that. Uh, I love it, dude. I want more of it. I want more of it. It's what this sport needs. It especially goes with the whole 
inception of of this whole thing UFC one with trying to figure out who's the baddest guy in the room like what style works the best you can't do that if from promotions are separate we should have had Randy Couture versus Fedor back in the day uh, I just saw an article recently that Dana apparently at one point tried to make uh, Brock versus Fedor which is uh so dumb but I wouldn't have minded it. I would have tuned in you know what I mean Things like that are so necessary, I think. It only helps both brands, you know? Like, fuck. And I guess with that is trades. Now, in a world where you can have cross-promotion fights, trades are almost unnecessary. Um, And it's kind of... You know, the way trades work, or in MMA anyway, we've only had the one. And I almost talked about it um, on my uh, year-end episode um, when I talked about 2019 in review. Because I was thinking about how Ben Askren made his debut. But the ink was signed on that deal in the tail end of 2018. I think like sometime around November or October. So um, I I feel like I couldn't use that. but I was thinking about it because I was thinking about how like the day of Nazi was just, it was so groundbreaking. And I remember like almost every outlet was like making fantasy trades, like, like an article about like, who, who would we want to trade? You know, like let's trade some belts or fighters for some music fighters and back and forth. But like the way their contracts work, all parties involved have to be okay with it. Like they can't just be traded willy nilly. Like, Oh, you're traded to Bellator now. Like you don't have a say, like everyone has to agree to it. So that's why it doesn't happen more often, but um, it should. It definitely should. We need it. It's the only way to see who's the best of the best. You got to have everyone fight everyone. Not literally, but, you know, we got to have like a national ranking system that includes other promotions, you know. And uh, like I'm not saying to go to the boxing model because that's going to fail. Um you know, MMA fans don't like that, but, you know, got to mix it up a little bit. Do some cross-promotion, you know, some trades. Fuck. I don't know. That's just, uh, that's just something I would like to see. And the last, uh, the last thing I've got on here is, um, fighters moving up in weight. So I kind of mentioned when I talked about the bad trends, uh, like of weight cutting, you know, recently, there have been some some fighters moving up in weight and having success, and this is good, you know. Um, uh, Kevin Lee went up to 170 a little bit. RDA obviously did it, you know, on a more permanent basis. Uh, Tim Means used to fight at 155. Now he's back fighting at 170. Um, it happens a lot in those weight classes, which is why I think they really need a 165-pound division. Um, but unfortunately, I can't put that on trends because it's not a trend. No, no one's really talking about it but me. Just kidding. I mean, tons of other people have t- been talking about it, but um, I feel like I keep banging the drum. Like I'm like I try to put it in like one every episode. If I have 55er fights, it's like maybe a little too big, or a 170 pound that's a little too small. I'll be like, you know, they really need that 165 pound division. Um, you know, it's just it's just something I really want to see is uh, is more fighters moving up. Uh, I don't know if adding more weight classes is necessarily uh, a solution to like ending weight cutting or, or to more people, um, moving up because, you know, the human body is, is, is such a complex thing. And, and 
like not everyone's body composition is the same. So oftentimes I feel like there's tons of fighters who are kind of in between weight classes, you know, with some of the larger gaps. Like there's a huge gap between 170 and 185, an even bigger gap between 185 and 205. Um, I mean, the, those the talent pool and that division is kind of shallow um, in those to, to really um, warrant a 195-pound division, but I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it. At least the option. You know what I would, we know what I would like to see as well? Um, the UFC really doesn't like to do this at all, um, especially because it just there's no like divisional... Um, it doesn't um, affect the, your divisional standing. But uh, catchweight fights, you know, um, more more uh, fighters should be fighting at uh, catchweights. You know, if you if you want to fight somebody like uh, if a 55er has a has a problem with a 175er, like let's meet a 160. You know, 165. If I can start that division, it's it's just something that um, it's on my mind a lot. You know, uh, especially I think. Um, you know, I've heard some female fighters talk about this, that uh, they think, you know, they shouldn't necessarily have the same weight classes as men because their bodies are different. And uh, I don't have any science to support that, but um, I'm, I'm a fan of trying, you know. Sometimes I think, you know, in, in MMA, we forget how new of a sport it is. We just sort of settle into like, oh, this is how it is and this is how it's going to be. And we're not willing to adapt. We're not willing to, to, to change. And uh, that's not good, I think, you know. We should remember how, how new we are and that we, we're still kind of finding things out. But again, I'm just one guy, just a guy with a podcast. And that concludes my uh, trends. Now, before I uh, probably end this segment, I want to end it how I always do, with a positive shout-out. And we're going to shout out my man, Genghis. It's at Puba Pit. You already know this guy is a big part of this show. Um, good uh, good friend of the podcast. And um, I credit him as being the first uh, person to send in a voice uh, question, which has now become a huge part of this podcast. So I, I, th- I think he kind of uh, started that. And uh, just been uh, awesome to interact with. Really happy we connected. And... Um, Jesus, the guy uh, offered to help me move some furniture today, even though it turns out I didn't need it. Um, but thank you. Yeah, just just a, just an amazing guy. Um, uh, likes to likes to keep it light, and uh, I miss when he sends in his fuck yous. He's just he's sending those in all the time, which is really just a it's just fun. It's not anything serious. Like actually, like fuck you. Unless we're talking about Boston. Just kidding. Um, but in all, in all seriousness, I love this guy and, uh, want to shout him out, shout us, hit us. Uh, I love seeing, seeing their, um, the pictures he posts of them as well. Um, awesome. Just, just awesome guy. So, uh, go get this guy a follow. And that's it, dude. That's it. Move pretty quickly through those. So, uh, now we're going to get into some news tidbits, but first let's take a break. All right. First up on the list is they've recently announced Rose versus Jessica Andrade 2 is in the works for April 18th, 249. Now, it may be official by now, especially by the time you hear this, but um, last I checked, it was, it was, I mean, it was pretty confirmed. Like, Ariel reported, Ariel does not report rumors, um, despite what some of you may think. 
Um, but uh, it's it's definitely I think they verbally agreed to it, so I'm I'm counting on it. And the reason why I love this dude, I'm getting tickets to 249. I don't give a fuck. It's the one in Brooklyn with uh, Habib versus Tony as the headliner. I'm so excited. I went to 223, and um, it was one of the best uh, live events I've been to in terms of, I mean, the best is 199, like hands down. Um, the Forum is the best venue I've been to, and uh, those are the best fights, and that was the best moment. But um, the other one was close, and the, the Barclays Center is, is probably the second best arena I've, I've been in. Yes, that includes MSG. It's a dump. Don't at me on that. Um, the only thing that I didn't like about Brooklyn, <laughs> and I'm going to talk about this when it happens, if it happens again, you know, when I go in April, the fucking parking was the worst, dude. We got out. Um, the fights were done around like one in the morning. I didn't get home until after 5 a.m., I it took so fucking long, dude. The the parking garage that we parked our car in was like down the street from uh from the venue and we the line was out the around the corner. We were there all fucking night. I, I just I didn't understand like why it took so long to get all these cars out. It blew my mind. It felt like everyone that was that was fucking attending the Barclays Arena parked their car this fucking lot, dude. I gotta hit up G for some tips on where to find parking because god damn, it was a mess. Never doing that again. But I'm here for it. I'm here. And I like, you know what? I like this fight because it's kind of the fight to make for both of them, really. Uh, Andraj uh, needs another fight to get back in there after she got starched uh, by Zhang uh, Weili. And Rose was winning that fight, dude. I don't care what you say. Um, actually, I think most of you agree with me. I've seen uh, mostly um, pro-Rose stuff on the timeline. Uh, but as always, dude, I want to say this. Whenever Rose comes up, there are some fucking assholes out there who says, Oh, Rose fans are the worst. Fuck you. Fuck you and anyone who looks like you. I'll run up your goddamn dickhole. That's a ASCAP reference that maybe Leo and Gator are the only two people who might get that reference. Um, but yeah, I'm here for it. And then the only other thing I had here um, on the list was the whole Jessica Penne-Usada situation. And this just broke my heart reading what she's gone through because I would often like think about it and be like what's she been up to and i knew she did have the suspension and everything but just this is nuts to me and i i've come to think like well i i first got into the sport when like right about the time when you saw it was being introduced and as someone who just like didn't know about um i don't know the history of combat sports and uh really PDs in general, I was like, oh yeah, dude, this is good. Get, get rid of the cheaters. Like, oh yeah, clean clean up the sport. And I've come to have the opinion that they are doing more harm than good for the most part. Like, 
you have people getting suspended for trace amounts of stuff that's not even really that um, beneficial or that like doesn't give you that much of an edge, dude. Uh, and, and people getting these long suspensions for it. Fucking lame. That's what you are, Usada. You're lame. I, I, I just, I, I can't even quite put together a coherent, like, argument against this because it's just it's so aggravating to me like i i really think usada needs to we need to take a step back and and look at what they're really doing and who they're catching like if you haven't already go to jessica penny's instagram and read the statement because she wrote a long statement. You have to swipe a couple different times. I think there's like five slides or something about her whole history of how she initially got suspended and what it what it was for. You know, because it was for hormones and she even got permission, but they found you know they they kind of fucked her anyway. And then uh, she got it again after you know serving her first sentence, and then she got like a four year ban. Like this shit is bananas, dude. Um, so. If you have any to give, she's got a legal fund, um, um, a GoFundMe, rather, to uh, to pay her legal fees to, to fight this in court. Um, she already wasted a lot of her money um, that she didn't have to like test some of the supplements and things that she was taking. And they went out of their way to do their own testing to prove hers wrong, even though she found uh, some proof that it was right. Like, it's just so fucking bananas. The the poor girl had to, like, drive Lyft to earn extra money. Like, not even extra, like, earn enough money to, to live. This is a professional fighter. What the fuck? Blows my mind. I like Jessica Penne. This is someone that I felt I felt like the UFC was pushing for a while because she used to do that UFC Now show um, that was on Fight Pass, which was kind of fun. Wasn't even like, I don't know, groundbreaking, but it was like fighters shooting the shit, playing some trivia, which actually, speaking of trivia, quick plug, um, I was recently on uh, Evil Eddie's show, Pure Evil MMA, doing a little MMA trivia competition between myself Raise them a pot of soup, uh, Rhino and uh, Jake from Full Mount MMA. Um, Jake and I are going head to head. We kind of tied, although um, some of my questions were thrown out because they, uh, like it was a whole weird question about Canada. Um, I, I was keeping him on so I was like, "You better fact check this shit." And uh, you know, but um, Rhino already beat, already beat. Uh, Ray in the first round. I have a feeling it's going to be like Chuck and Vanderlei a la the Pride um the Pride turn the Pride Grand Prix or the Pride tournament from back in the day where they put Chuck and Vanderlei on opposite sides of the bracket. Um and uh Jake may may knock me out before Rhino and I get to have our showdown. Uh but then the winner is supposed to have uh is supposed to face Donnie Rocket who is some uh like guru of fight trivia apparently so there's that um but shouts to donnie rocket no no shade i'm just saying uh and that that about does it for this situation but um i do want to end uh just to circle back you know if if you 
if you have anything to give, give to to Jessica's legal fund, uh, because this that shit is ridiculous that she's having to go to court over some supplements. Fucking you, Sada, dude. Nerds. <laughs> I say that as a nerd, by the way. That's that's my word. You can't use it. It's our word. But don't. Sh- okay. We're done with this. Let's move on to the forum. All right, let's get it started. Not going to waste any time other than the time I wasted by saying this. And uh, first question is from my man Shane Tara. What's up, Juicy J? I don't know if you can hear my music or not. But it fuels so good that uh, I wanted to ask you a question. I was thinking about it on my bike ride home from work, and then I got home, and I fed my cat Doomsday and got high, and then I forgot. And then I remembered. So let's pretend it's like six years ago, because if you're 555, then I'm 666. So let's pretend it's like six years ago, and Michael Bisping is still the UFC middleweight champion. And Yoel Romero is, what, 35 instead of 41, 42? And they actually have a fight. Let's pretend that Michael Bisping and Yoel Romero actually had a fight. Um, Who would win? I think Romero eats him. Lots to unpack there. First of all, sir, take off the apron, put down the spatula, dad, lay off the dad jokes uh, with the fuel so good. (laughs) Um, also must be some good ass weed you're smoking because Bisping was a champion in 2016 that's uh since we're just starting 2020 and uh, he won in like July I think or June July that's uh three and a half years ago so not not uh five or six years ago um but I will say this Bisping is my second favorite fighter and there is not a fucking, there's no money in the world you could give me to pick against Bisping. However, I would be very scared for him in that fight. I would. Um, but I, I'll, I will also say this. I was live in attendance at UFC 213 when uh, Romero fought Whitaker the first time. And uh, I know uh, Whitaker is a different fighter than Bisping, but the way he he dealt with them and uh, and sort of I don't know he won the later rounds and uh, like just outlasted Yoel. I was like, dude, Bisping could do that. Maybe that's the stand in me showing, but I was like, I, Bisping could fucking do that. That's what I was thinking. But uh, Yo Romero's a beast. Not saying anything bad against him. But maybe he could make fucking weight, huh? Maybe he could fucking make weight, huh? That's my only knock on Yo Romero. Just make some fucking weight or move up to 205. That's what I want to see. Dude, you tell me You tell me. we could see Yo Romero versus John Jones. Sign me the fuck up. Why haven't the UFC tried to make that fight? It's right there, people. So dumb. Juicy J. I have a second Michael Bisping question for you. So, 
I love that you and I both agree that Luke Thomas is way too smart for his own good. Um, he does really good analytics and breakdowns and stuff, and he has some decent opinions. But I love that we agree that uh, the way that he would blatantly mispronounce Cynthia Calvillo's name, thinking that he was smarter than everybody because his wife is Colombian and he would pronounce it like um, that specific city in Colombia. Um, I'm trying to start to go on a diatribe about Lou Thomas. I don't want to talk about Lou Thomas. <laughs> I want to talk about Michael Bisping. So you and I agree that Luke Thomas saying names incorrectly is shitty. Well, Michael Bisping does it all the time. And he doesn't do it because he's too smart like Luke Thomas. Why does Michael Bisping say names incorrectly? Is he racist? Okay, so I should mention that the title of this, he titled it George Masvidal, like spelled out G-E-O-R-G-E, like the Americanized version of Jorge Masvidal. Uh, first of all, his his own managers call him Georgie, so it's not that far outside the realm. And, and like, I've said it before, it's something that bothers me that people say George Masvidal, it's Jorge. His name is fucking Jorge. Like, I want to be like the opposite of Pablo Francisco's dad. I don't know if you guys ever uh, listened to or heard Pablo Francisco's um, stand-up. He would say how his um, father was named Jorge, but he would try so hard to fit in. He was like, call me George. I would like, call him Jorge. Like, the exact opposite of that. Like, it's so fucking, it's, it's right there. It's not that hard, dude. No one that spells their name J-O-R-G-E pronounces it George, like, in a serious way. I don't know, that's what I think about it. Uh, but Bisping's definitely a racist, so stop saying that. Um, but I, th I think he's just English, right? Like, they, they have different pronunciations for things, and uh, the only reason they, the only, like, language that they like to pronounce uh, words in that actual language is French. Like, they say, croissant. And other things, even though it's fucking just say croissant, uh, you know, like, you know, or they like to say taco, or is it taco, pasta, when it's a pasta, it's like a, an Italian thing. Anyway, I'm going to have a tangent on that. I did, I did what you fucking did about Luke Thomas. Jesus. I'm, I'm getting like secondhand high from your fucking question. Um... Yeah, in, in regards to Bisping, I don't think he's being disrespectful at all. I think he's just unaware and uh, English. And uh, in regards to anyone else saying George Masvidal, don't fucking say it. It's Jorge. Okay? Names matter. Jose Aldo. Jose, not Jose. Jose. Jorge Masvidal. It matters. Names matter. Mr. Juice, I have a very random question for you, as I fucking do. So, uh, which King of the Hill characters, character or characters, do I remind you of? Um, I kind of think I'm a mix between Bobby Hill and Dale Gribble. It's kind of depressing, but it is what it is. A little bit of, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of Bill Dotrieve in me too. Yeah. 
My bald spots. Yeah, man, balding sucks. It's whatever. Anyway, what do you think? Also, apply this question to your other favorite MMA Twitter users. Okay, thanks. Bye. Ah. Uh... Well, I'm definitely not going to do it uh, on everyone because that would take for goddamn ever. But uh, this, this would be a fun thing to to spill over into Twitter if anyone said who, uh, what King of the Hill characters everyone reminded them of. Um, I'm going to say Peggy. Just kidding. That's so disrespectful. <laughs> I think you hit it on the he- uh, head actually with Dale and Bobby. Although I don't think you're like Bobby if he grew up. Like, that's what you are. Like, if Bobby grows, when Bobby grows up, or if they were to do, like, the later years, like, that's you. Um, I'm definitely Hank. Just kidding. I don't I don't actually feel that I identify with really anyone. But I'd love to know if anyone, like, has is, like, a big fan of King of the Hill. Because I like it, but I'm not, like, a huge fan. But, like, if anyone is, like, really into King of the Hill, uh, what character do I remind you of? Um, cool. Man, that fuck, that's some good ass weed you're smoking. These questions are so random. Andre Feely is the kind of guy to get tattooed by the type of person that still wears um, see-through white cotton spats from the early 1900s with penny loafer shoes that rides one of those 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 bikes with a big wheel on the front to work. Um, and then he takes his French press with him and his fucking wooden backpack that's got the little leather flap on the top with a little metal, metal clasp that, that locks it. Uh, and then he only, <laughs> and he's the kind of tattooer that, that still, that has one of those stupid handlebar mustaches unironically because he thinks that the only way to be a real tattooer is to dress like he's from fucking 19, 1913. Yeah. Bro, what? Bro. What? I gotta say, I'm glad Andre Feely is fighting this weekend. So maybe we don't hear these anymore. Just kidding. I think the next one's really good, actually. Um, but that was like, are you roasting him or his fucking tattoo artist? Actually, on that note, if you are a tattoo artist in the New Jersey area, um, or... Um, well, I don't really want to go into the city. I, I really hate the city. But um, yeah, if you if you're in the in the New Jersey area, and uh, you're a tattoo artist, or you know some like if you are like a fucking guy that gets a ton of tattoos, and you live in New Jersey, and you're like, oh, check on my guy or whatever. I wanna I wanna see their work. I wanna see your work if it's if you're the artist, because I am really starting to get serious about my um, tattoo. Uh, I already want to. I want to get it for my birthday this year. And that's like the only thing I want. Uh, my next tattoo. So, yeah. Just wanted to put that out there. So thank you for talking about a tattoo artist that, like a hypothetical one, so I could put that out into the airwaves. Andre Feely is the kind of guy to laugh at jokes that Nick Lentz makes after he he beats cans in the in the octagon. Yeah, that one. I like that one because fuck Nick Lentz, dude. Uh, if you guys, uh, if you guys didn't listen to the episode, I forget which one it was, but I mean, just dig through all the ones anyway. But uh, I said uh, which fighters were on my shit list, and Nick Lentz was definitely one of them. Cause, and if he wasn't, and if, if I forgot, add him to it, dude. Fuck Nick Lentz.
And that's not even like like the whole feud between him and BJ Penn is like really childish to me. And I don't really like like if anything, I might be on Nick's side about it, like whatever. So it's not even like I'm like a BJ Penn fan because not even really a fan of BJ Penn either. Uh, but yeah, fuck Nick Lentz. Hey, Juice, it's your boy, Mixed a Man. I'm calling in about USC 246. I want to know what fights you're looking forward to outside of the Roxanne Monteferi fight. I'm looking forward to it, too. But I don't really like these types of fights where these up-and-coming fighters get to make their names on the backs of established veterans. Personally, I'm looking forward to the crochet boss. I've got one of his crochet hats. It's amazing. My head, it can breathe. It doesn't get too hot. It doesn't get too cold. I have to assume Dana White has one, too, for getting put on this card right after losing in Singapore. But the Minnesota homie, crochet boss, he's the shit. I can't wait for this fight. I wonder what fights you're looking forward to. Get at me. Yes, dude. First of all, definitely follow Mix the Man. And... um because he's the shit. But also, I love how he stands Minnesota hard. Like, that's the kind of shit I do like. That's the shit I do like when you rep your state, like, so hard. I got to be honest. Before I started interacting with this guy, I didn't know a damn thing about Minnesota. Now, all the stuff he posts, uh, I want to visit. It looks like a fucking cool-ass place. Um, and re in regards to the crochet boss, dude, I watched this guy on... Um, the Ultimate Fighter, uh, Maury Screen, if you didn't know what he's talking about. Um, the he's really tall heavyweight with the, the kind of a wonky eye. He, I love that that's his fucking gimmick, that he just like crochets. And just the way he talks, like, I, <laughs> I like that. I like his personality. I like him like making these little hats for his opponents. It's not little, it's low. Like, you got to say it like that, like these little hats for his opponents. Like, that's unique. That goes that goes with Roxy's motto: "Be unique." He's unique. Uh, so yeah, spoiler alert: I'm picking him. So you already know what it is. Oh, the question: Fuck, <laughs> what fights am I uh, looking uh, forward to? Honestly, dude, the whole card uh, is stacked. Like, I, I'm really looking to like this. This sucks for me, dude, because. Uh, I'm gonna have to watch this at a bar, which is the worst, right? Because it already is where like the casuals hang out. But also, uh, like the Connor fight is gonna bring out even more of them. So I don't know if I'm gonna have to miss. Uh, so like usually what I do is I watch the prelims at home, the early prelims and the um, regular prelims, I guess. And then usually I try to find a fight that's like close to the pay-per-view like the the last one of the second to last and i go to the bar uh during that time it's actually like only like 10 minutes from my house so i don't usually mention much but they don't fucking put the sound on for the prelims uh which really annoys me like there's other fucking like football games and other bullshit going on sorry if you like football not hayden i'm a football fan now too i guess um but dude like, I can't miss anything, dude. I can't miss the Roxy fight. What am I going to do? I think I'm going to have to watch on my phone and bring headphones and just fucking... Oh, I don't know. This, I'm I'm already having anxiety about my plans for next week. I, th this is how I am. Like, I got to plan shit out. I might I might go during the Justin Ledette fight because... <clears throat> uh, okay, 
You know what I'm really looking forward to? Actually, besides, other than the Roxy fight, obviously, like you said, I'm really looking forward to the Sadiq Yusuf versus Andre Feely fight. That's like a one of the like low-key um, fights of the night that I'm really looking forward to. And I'm also looking forward to the return of Brian Kelleher. Dude, I like this guy a lot. Um, this goes along with my like philosophy of liking the person more so than their style. Like he's not like a world beater. Um, he actually he put on a great fucking performance against Hen Burrell uh, a couple years ago, which I thought was awesome. And his um, debut, I think he submitted Yuri Alcantara. Um, uh, I could be wrong about that, but he definitely submitted. I feel like he submitted a Brazil a Brazilian in Brazil, which was awesome. Um, and just like his style. Uh, I love it, and he's all like he he does like freestyles on on um, on Twitter. He'll he'll like post a clip of him like rapping, which is cool. But then he also can like fucking sing like better than I can. Um, not that I'm like great, but like you guys always say like oh cool voice. Like Brian Keller can fucking sing, dude. And he can fucking play ukulele as well. Um, so I love Brian Kelleher. So that's probably my two. Although dude, the fucking Fajeda Pettis fight as well is gonna be. Uh, I honestly think, and I'm not comparing like Diego Fajeda to Tony Ferguson, but it could be similar to the Ferguson Fet, Ferguson Fetus, the Ferguson Pettis fight, um, from from two twenty nine, I think that was, where they just sort of went to war and just like crazy throwing spinning shit and stuff. But it could also be like a chess match, like that kind of intrigued me about it. There's so much to like about this fight, dude. I like there was a, dude, there's been a bunch of people online saying this card is trash. Hey. Got news for you. If you don't like it, don't watch it. This card is banging, dude. Also, I learned from 206, judge the fight card afterward. Because no one thought that was going to be a great card. And it was fucking one of the best cards that year. And that was right after 205 when you had three title fights and the fucking whole debut of MSG. That's how good that fucking card was with Duho Choi, Cub Swanson, fucking Matt Brown, Cerrone, Pettis Holloway. So... Fucking judge the card afterward. Don't know why I got so worked up about that. You know what fight I'm not looking forward to, if I'm honest? Alexa Grasso and Claudia Gadelia. I love Alexa Grasso, actually. I always get excited for her fights, but dude, Claudia, after last fight, and this goes with my bad trends, I fucking canceled her after last fight. I was like, Claudia, what are you doing, dude? Um, Like, I like Claudia, Besides that, so I, I hope Alexa brings brings the fight and makes it a good fight. I'm just excited. This is one of those things where like I really believe like absence makes the heart grow fonder. Like when they do a long ass break like this and they come back, it doesn't matter what. Like maybe that's why I think this is such a good card. But honestly, like every single fight I am excited for in some way, except for well, I'll get it. I'm gonna give my picks. So yeah, great question, Mick. No, it's not your name. I like calling you Mick because you're from Mixed Demand. I don't have to say the whole thing. So I'm just going to call you Mick. This fucking question from Hayden, dude. He titles it James Vick Army, motherfuckers. And let me just tell you, not a fan of that. Hey, yo, Juice. Um, my question for this week is, um, bro, how good does it feel? How good does it feel to finally be um, about to go into another fucking UFC fight week? I miss the UFC so much. They never need the UFC. Please don't do this shit again. I've been losing my mind. All right, I've been losing my mind. I've been losing my mind. I need. We needed this. We need. We need to go into a new fight week. 
So, how do you feel about entering a new fight week, especially a corner fight week? They're always fun. I don't give a fuck. Corner fight weeks are always fun. Love him or hate him, they're always fun to, to watch, alright? James, they call me motherfuckers. Uh, I'll see you in the next one. <laughs> Dude, thank you for this, actually. By the way, shouts to Hayden. I wasn't saying not a fan of you, just not a fan of James Vick Army shit. Um, yeah, first of all, he's right. Love him or hate him, Connor Five Weeks. Like, it just feels like it's a big moment in the sport. Um, and uh, we just, I feel like we get extra content from the UFC as well, which is always nice. Um, like, pre fight build up and stuff. Um, like, they're doing a press conference this week. They haven't done, like, a fight week press conference in a while, it feels like. And you know what else, dude? I forgot to say this at the start of this episode. The fucking animals of MMA Twitter. And I'm not talking about anyone that listens to this podcast, hopefully. But the fuck, the, the way that people get so restless when there's no fights and they just stick to, like, like fucking arguing and trolling and other bullshit. Like, Why? What happened in your life before you found MMA that you have to do this? Like, when there's no fights, just fucking do some normal shit, dude. I I can't. I can't. Canceling all those motherfuckers. But, yeah. Um, how good does it feel? I feel like there wasn't actually a question in that. Just sort of, like, wanted to get that point across, which I expect. I expect that. Um, which that, I don't know why this reminds me, but this reminds me of my favorite quote from Anderson Silva. It was in this interview he did with Ariel, and it was about there was a time when they were trying to book, like when when Bisping won the title, and uh, they tried to like make the GSP fight, uh, or after or after he beat Dan Harrison, and they were trying to make the GSP fight. Um, Yo Romero was like the clear cut number one contender. They even did that little thing where he was supposed to fight, he fought Chris Weidman and that was like solidified it. Um, like they were going to make an interim fight between Anderson Silva and Yo Romero and, or they wanted to have the fight in Brazil, but they, um, the UFC didn't want to make it for the interim title. Like both fighters were asking for and Ariel brought him on the show he actually had them both on at the same time when they were talking, which was cool. Um, he doesn't do that anymore. Like, you know who does that? Actually, Mike from the Wolcast, Mike and G. Shouts to them. Uh, love that shit. But also, um, Yoel Romero and Anderson Silva going back and forth was awesome. Because, like, Arrow was like, Anderson, how do you feel about the situation? He goes, I'm very disappointed, bro. I'm very disappointed. Just for some reason, that saying, first of all, him saying "bro," like that was funny to me. He's like, "I'm very disappointed, bro," and he's like, "Do you ever see not respect my legacy? Why your Romero come to Brazil for no title? Why?" <laughs> it was just so funny. Gotta go find that interview, dude. Great question, Hayden. Even though it wasn't really a question. I guess he said, how good does it feel to be back? It feels fucking great. Okay. It's late. You can tell I'm tired. But I'm not about to drop this energy level. Hey, Juice. Man of Mayhem here. How are you doing? Hope you're having a wonderful start to the year, mate. And my question is actually related to something I tweeted yesterday. It's about this trend. Not recent, because it's been happening for a few years. But um, this trend where... 
boxers want to transition to MMA and MMA fighters want to transition to boxers and all this crap. Um, and it's simple, right? No elite MMA fighter is going to beat an elite boxer at boxing and vice versa. I mean, I think that much is clear. So my question is, can we find some sort of middle ground? Maybe um, they can fight in kickboxing or maybe under modified boxing rules or modified MMA rules. I don't know. I just think that if we do find this middle ground, this compromise, it will make these fights between MMA fighters and boxers much more intriguing and indeed much more competitive. So I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Um, so, yeah, that's my question. Hasta luego, Juice. Love the question. First of all, shouts to Man of Mayhem. Great guy. And uh, he definitely should start a podcast with that voice, dude. That is a great voice. Um, love that voice. And yeah, I've been saying this for a while. And like, I think I think the first time I got this idea was when the the their talk the talks of the Connor Floyd fight started. Um, I remember Big John McCarthy on Twitter said something like like No, that that that's not. Um, like I'm not really interested in that. Like you know, Floyd wins in boxing, um, Connor wins in MMA. He said what they should do is kickboxing. Like that's the middle ground. That's where it would be like an equalizer, where it, where it, there's a little bit of intrigue there. And uh, someone had had responded being like, "Well, that's not fair to Floyd." And uh, and uh, Big John was like, "Why should Floyd's disadvantage, or why should Floyd's weakness be?" A reason to not do it or something like that it was just it, it was very into it was a very, very big john thing to say um yeah i 100 percent agree with everything you just said dude like let's not forget ufc one where hoist fought art jimerson i know we like to take the piss out of him for the one glove shit and we should should never let him live that down because why the fuck would you do that but he wasn't some like bum he was a i think at the time he was a champion he was a I remember in his little profile I did on Five Pass, I think he said he was like the cruiserweight champion. He was on like a 15-fight winning streak, hadn't been beaten in three years, something like that. And he fucking got handled on the ground, dude. And that's exactly like the the vice versa of that, an MMA fighter going to boxing. That's exactly the shit is going to happen. By the way, when I thought about this, when I got your question, I looked the shit up, and after he lost to Hoist, his next fight in boxing was to a guy named nicknamed The Juice. I think it was like Orlin, The Juice, Norris, something like that. And he got fucking TKO'd. So don't mess with The Juice. Anyway, uh, that's not even that funny. Um, what I was going to say is, I've been thinking about this. And how many times have we talked about it? Like, Fury's talking about it. Has the whole video of him, you know, hitting pads with Darren Till and all that shit. Uh, you know, uh fucking Lomachenko's talked about it with like TJ Dillashaw and they've gone back and forth and like Jorge Masvidal said he would want to fight Canelo and all this other shit. I'm 100% convinced it's just for headlines. And don't get me wrong, like certain fighters, like I know Jorge would be down for it if they could make it happen, you know, or, uh, you know, vice versa or whatever, but they know it's not going to happen. Like, I'm not saying they're just talking out of their ass. Like, it's for sure. And especially, like, I feel like a lot of the boxers do it just to try and be like, you know, I feel like they're a little bit scared of of MMA getting more popular than boxing. So it's like, well, maybe I'll try and go, go in the UFC. Maybe I'll try MMA or, or whatever. And it's just not fucking, 
I'm not interested in it, dude. You know what? Regarding Shields versus Nunez, something that um, I think Ariel talked about this, more interesting would be if um, Clarissa Shields went actually into the PFL and uh, somehow got to fight Kayla Harrison uh, because uh, it would be like Olympian versus Olympian. It's a little bit more marketable that way. And then she would like, she would have to get more experience and then go through like the bracket rather than just like, oh, let's have a one-off between Amanda Nunes and Clarissa Shields. Like that's so fucking uninteresting to me. Especially what Amanda said, dude. She shut that shit down. She's like, come into MMA. I'm going to wrestle the shit out of you. Like, boom, that's it. That's fucking it. So I think, just like you said, if they're if they're going to do it, it has to be on a modified rule set. You cannot just, like, let's just do it. And like, it has to be in kickboxing or fucking Muay Thai rules. Um, I would rather see, I would rather see, like, Muay Thai, like, full, full rules Muay Thai. Um, or fucking Lethway, dude. <laughs> Can you imagine a fucking boxer gets headbutted and they're like, what the fuck? That's illegal. No, it's not. It's Lethway, bitch. I don't know why I'm so aggressive when it comes to uh, boxing. By the way, that's so like a like a hipster combat sports thing to be like, that's Lethway, bitch. <laughs> like, no one knows what the fuck you're talking about if you've never heard of Lethway. Um, oh my God, I'm so excited to play this next question. Smokey J here from Australia. Uh, fucking trends in MMA. Um, I don't know if you can really call it a trend based off the one design, but I'm going to go with fucking bad drawings on walkout t-shirts. That Connor one was next level. I was really impressed with that, and I think there was actually a lot of hidden symbolism that a lot of people missed, like how his wrists were as thick as his neck, which symbolizes his power, and how you could tell that Reebok designed it because of how he wasn't standing in a traditional fight stance, but more of a check-out-my-cool-shoes stance. Anyways, I hope we see more bad drawings in the UFC walkout world. That's all. Bye. Yes. First of all, shout-out to Smokey J. Um, I want you, if you're listening to this podcast right now, I want you to go to Smokey J's page on Twitter right now, Smokey J MMA. I think it still his pinned tweet. If not... Hit him a message to find the link. He, for the rest of this month, I think, maybe maybe beyond, not sure, he is donating 100% of the proceeds uh, from his um, Redbubble merch um, to the Australian uh, wildfires. And first of all, I, I've i loved seeing, like, there was a video of, like, American firefighters going over there. Um, just anything I hear about people donating to it, I love that. It uh, really makes you feel like a citizen of the world rather than just um, in my own small little bubble here in America. And I love, you know, Smokey J being Australian wants to, to do something for his country. I think that's beautiful. And uh, I've been wanting to get one anyway, but I'm going to get one of those fucking mugs, dude. Um, I wish I wish you had the one of me on there. That would be fucking badass. Um, but if not, I might get the fucking Tony Ferguson one. I don't know, but they're cool as shit, dude. You can get it on a throw pillow. You can get it on a t-shirt. Um, it's got that cool jellyfish one. I don't know. I, I think it's mostly mugs, t-shirts, and throw pillows. But uh, check it out, dude. Check out his merch. It's awesome. And uh, you're supporting the Australian 
uh, bush fire fund, relief fund, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's not supporting the fires. It's not supporting the Australian bushfires. It's supporting the fucking relief fund for that. So, the bad drawings, Connor t-shirt. Dude, first of all, talking about the wrist being as thick as his neck because it symbolizes power, that's awesome. However, the first time I saw anyone reference that was Steffi Haynes. Shout out to Steffi Haynes. She's fucking cool as shit. And, uh, uh, well, I can't say this out too loud, um, but I, I got some of her um, stuff for my wife uh, for Valentine's Day. Um, dude. She said, she said that they were like Hellboy arms, which I was like, yes, that's exactly what they remind me of. And I couldn't fucking think of the word in my mind. They're Hellboy arms, dude. Like, why would you have Conor McGregor having arms like Hellboy? Yeah, dude, the fucking look at my cool shoe stance. Smokey J. <laughs> the only thing better than seeing his reaction to this tweet and how he's like, here, I fixed it and put his own bad drawing of fucking Conor's face on the walkout shirt. <laughs> was his reaction when they dropped the Cerrone one and it was like good and he was like no I wanted the same legend who designed the Connor shirt dude can you tell it's late can you tell I'm tired no you can't because mm, professional not really all right we go from one Australian to another this is our man, Oli Ra. And let's just take it away, Oli Ra. I haven't been doing my Australian voice in a while. Gonna bring it back. Not really, it's terrible. Yo, what up, Juice? Fighting with myself podcast. How you doing, mate? Now, I just saw that the UFC booked Greg Hardy versus Jorgen DeCastro. Sorry if I'm uh, butchering that pronunciation. Now, I just wanted to get your thoughts on why you think the UFC... Uh, build Greg Hardy the way he does and um, no no other UFC fighter really gets that treatment off the top of my head now I'm not trying to say that Jorgen DeCastro is a can or he's a bad fighter because he had a great knockout in his last fight but it's a massive step down from I think co-main or even main event spot he had um, against Alexander Volkov um, yeah so let's know why you think UFC tend to build him this way and nobody else why does this piece of shit get the special treatment Cheers, Love this question. First of all, it got me thinking. Now, I'm in no way defending the UFC in the matchmaking here, but I think it's the right move at this juncture because he just lost. So, um, and and the, the Volkov fight was a short notice replacement. They would have never booked that fight, um, you know, and with a full camp as like a regular build fight. Um, that was a special circumstance. And Volkov was scheduled to be the main event of that card. So they kind of took it down because it was short notice and made it the co-main. Um, which again, not defending that because that was a whole shit show in and of itself. But Jorgen DeCastro and Greg Hardy have similar records kind of. Like, they're sort of in a similar experience pool. So, it just, I think this kind of makes sense. And Jorgen DeCastro can fucking bang, dude. I talked about this last episode. Like, this is why I think this is a great matchup because if he loses, like, he lost to Volkov. Everyone was expecting him to lose. It's okay. Even some people were like, oh, he looked good in there. He, he went the distance, all that other happy horse shit. But if he loses to Jorgen DeCastro, he's losing to a guy on his level. And that's what we need. 
in this uh, juncture uh, in his career. But uh, you got me thinking about why they're giving this treatment and, and what happened. And, you know, again, he's got a record that doesn't warrant like big name fights uh, or like people with a bunch of um, like uh, fights on their record. The commission wouldn't sanction that, but he is definitely getting the slow, slow build and they're just, they're bringing in people. They're just signing just to fight him and then they cut them, you know, which, which shows you a lot of what they think about his, where he's at and what they want to do with him. But I was thinking about why, and you know what? I kind of forgot of how he came into the UFC. So they got him a shot in the contender series early because he has a good manager in Malky and Abe Kawa or whomever first round management and they got him a shot at a contender series early. I think it was like 2-0 and or maybe 3-0. and can't remember if he was 3-0 and already or he was 3-0 after that. Like that was his third win. He knocked out another um, former pro football player in um, I think Austin Lane is the guy's name. Knocked him the fuck out. Um, and at that time he wasn't given a contract, a UFC contract right away. He was given a developmental deal. Uh, which is um, something that I think Chase Hooper was on. I don't know if you if you don't know what a de developmental deal is. It's basically where the UFC has you uh, under contract, but you don't fight for the UFC for the first couple fights in your contract or whatever. They develop you. Like they'll pay you to fight in Invicta. They'll pay you to fight in LFA. They'll pay you to fight. And in this case, I think he was actually scheduled to fight in Islands fights. And then ESPN came along. The the debut of ESPN, the card that were um, TJ Dillashaw fought Henry Cejudo, they wanted the the mainstream uh, audience, mainstream sport audience, you know, casual fan of 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 sports in general. They wanted a name that they could know with the debut on the worldwide leader in sports, and so they pushed him along. They fast tracked him. They pulled him from the fight. He was actually literally scheduled to fight in Island Fight, some little promotion in Florida that was on Fight Pass. Like they pulled him from that card to to bring him to the to the UFC, and it's just been this sort of fucking thing. Like this sort of development was supposed to happen behind closed doors. Like those fights with Alan Crowder and goddamn Dimitri Sumalak, the guy that was 0-2 in the UFC when they signed him, the fucking guy that he that just curled up. Ben Sosoli, like these fights were supposed to happen on the regional circuit. So that's just what it is. You know, so I don't hate this booking. I see I see why you take issue with it and I and I get that. But um I think we just have to unfortunately like deal with it. Obviously still keep speaking out against it, but just deal with, with this guy being in the UFC until he gets pushed out. And that's unfortunately where we're at. Yo, what up, Juice? Hope you had a good Christmas, mate. Um, I was just wondering if you've uh, ever been knocked out. I was just reminiscing on the days that um, I'd been knocked out playing um, rugby league. Uh, I got knocked out pretty bad the first time. Um, I went for a tackle around some big fucker's legs. And uh, one of his legs slipped out boot with the studs on it, smacked me straight in the face. And uh, I remember just waking up and uh, my whole team was surrounding me, looking down at me. Uh, every time I tried to open my eyes, it fucking burnt. Like, it was ridiculous. And, um, like, blinding light, 
sort of like um, if you ever kind of sleep in and then you open up your blinds and that fucking light just burns the real bags. Yeah, I know you haven't adjusted yet. It's really similar to that, but like fucking a hundred times worse. And um, I end up staying on the field. We scored a try like straight after. And uh, I was walking back to get uh, for the other team to kick off and started fucking spewing up blood. So yeah, that was pretty bad. But um, yeah, so let us know what um, if you've ever been knocked out and tell us a story. Cheers, mate. Fucking hell. Uh, first off, great story. He actually asked this question, not in audio form, and didn't tell the story, but he asked it on the for the Split Decision podcast um, earlier this week, so shout out to those guys. And uh, Feike told his story. Phil had a funny one as well. And um, I, like, I had already heard this when he asked that. I was listening, so I was in the back of my mind. I was like, I can't fucking wait to play this on my show. It's going to be amazing. Um, and yet my answer will be disappointing because I have not been knocked out. Um, I was trying to think about how like any time that I've actually been in the presence of anything like that happening and the only time that ever happened this is so fucking uh like I cringe when I think about this um some party for like end of the year um in second grade uh we played baseball and for some fucking reason dude um they thought it was a good idea to give me a metal bat and for some other reason this kid decided it was a good idea for him to be a catcher and he stood like on the outside, like not where a catcher normally stands, I think. And then when I followed through, when I hit the ball or maybe I missed, I'm not sure. I fucking whacked him in the face and it was bad. I'm pretty sure I knocked him out. Um, and I remember like, that's probably what, like looking back, if I was like going to psychoanalyze my life, that's probably why I don't fucking like sports. Like that moment I was like, oh man, this is fucking bad. I like, bro he had glasses on, like I broke his glasses. Um, it was just fucking cringeworthy. It was blood everywhere. So sorry to disappoint you, but great fucking story, mate. <laughs> Yo, what's happening, Juice? Oli Ra here. Um, I just wanted to get your top three picks for fighters of the year that aren't in the UFC. Cheers, mate. Oh, great question. So, uh, I think you have to give it to, um, first up has to be Patricio Pitbull. Now, I will say, uh, I was listening to Ray's Oma Plata Soup and he had the, the man Brandon Nocouch on there. Um, and, um, they were, they talked about this topic a lot and doing their year end, like sort of picks for best ofs and things like that. And they, uh, Brandon said that he takes issue with, um, a fighter getting fight of the year, a, f a fighter of the year after, um, only having two fights. Like if you only fought twice in a year, which I get dude, but, um, that, I mean, that's why he wasn't in my contention as well but if i'm going to say like oh, let's focus on fighters outside the ufc got to give it to to patricio pitbull uh i think douglas lima as well has to be in there especially um with the whole tournament coming back beating the brakes off of fucking mvp and uh beating rory again i don't mean again i think rory won the first fight but i mean beating rory 
and um, yeah, it's hard to say. Oh, I'm gonna say Alima Lay McFarlane. She had a really good year as well. Um, fucking dude, I love Alima Lay McFarlane. She's another one where I mean, her fighting style is awesome too. Like I love her fights, but her whole personality and like her like embracing her like Hawaiian background, I fucking love that. So yeah, love it. Yo, what up, Juice? If you had to choose a couple UFC fighters who maybe aren't doing the best and, you know, doesn't really look like they're going to have a shot at the title or make a good run, do you think could go over to the PFL and uh, take that million dollars? Because um, I'm surprised there hasn't been more more people to switch over to the PFL and have a crack at the, have a crack at the mill. I was thinking a guy like, you know, Cub Swanson could go over there and do some work. But, uh, yeah, let us know what you think. Fuck yeah, great question. Um, although I don't necessarily know how to answer it because a lot of it has to do with fighters that I think have a chance to, like, turn things around or are already kind of turning things around. Like, what the first couple of names that come to mind, definitely Cub Swanson. Um and the other thing that I was thinking of, like, if he, for some reason, doesn't get back on track, like, I think Kevin Lee, after, like, knocking out Gregor Gillespie, like, him and TriStar, I think that's the fucking right move. Like, I, I really think he's going to be in title contention at the end of this year. So, if I'm wrong, and that doesn't happen, or let's say he goes on, like, a two or three fight losing streak, he's someone I would like to see uh, move over, because with the politics and stuff, I don't know if he'll get a title shot. Um... Or, or even someone like Edson Barboza, like rather than move to featherweight, um, if you think you're not going to get a title shot because you lost to Khabib um, and you want to keep going through this row of killers at 155, go over to the PFL. Um, the other thing is like I was saying about how uh, it sucks for Francis Ngannou, how he's like knocking everybody else out, but he got dominated by Stipe. So it seems like they're like not ready to give him a title shot right away because of that because they don't think they can sell that rematch. And, um, you know, Francis could definitely turn it around. I could definitely see Francis being being champion. So, like, I'm hesitant to say him, but um, it, it's hard to think of another name. I would like to see, you know what I would like to fucking see happen, really, is if the UFC isn't going to do um, a 155, or sorry, a 165 pound division, I would like to see PFL do it. And just bring over anyone from the UFC who fucking, like, is a tweener, um, you know, like, in between 55 and 70. Bring over them and start a fucking 165 tournament there, dude. If fucking Kevin Lee, James Vick, Paul Felder, Michael Chiesa, RDA, all those dudes. Uh, I'm sure there's a ton of people who haven't fucking spoken up because they're just like, well, this is the way it is. Like, Kevin Lee's the only one really banging the drum about 165. Michael Chiesa was for a while, but then he just moved up. And I think even at one point he said... Yeah, if they make it, I think I would still stay at 170, but I think they should still make it. I'm like, oh, Michael, that's not how we get things done. But yeah, that's my answer. All right. This next question, dude, this is great. So this is that that, that uh, ends the voice questions. This next question was a DM from Guy Shook. He sent this to me. Um... I think he tweeted this one out as well, but he said, I want to I want to know your answer on the show. Um, he said, would you rather be forced to sit through 24 hours of Woodley's rapping 
or 24 hours of Brendan Schaub's stand-up. And it got me thinking, does Brendan Schaub even have 24 hours worth of material? Because I could sit through 24 hours of stand-up, and I've, I've specifically avoided um, hearing Brendan Schaub stand-up because I don't, like, as someone who knows people that are, like, going through the meat grinder of, like, trying to get noticed and fucking um, a stand-up is something that I've considered for myself as well, and it's sort of, like, in my realm of, like, acting, I reject the fact that he just is, like, headlining, like, clubs and getting a Showtime special right the fuck away, especially since people have been saying that it's terrible. But I also don't necessarily trust some of y'all's opinions when it comes to comedy. No offense. Um, so I, I, I don't necessarily believe that. I think maybe I could laugh at some of his stuff. Like, I could listen to 24 hours of stand-up in general. Um, but it might be easier to listen to 24 hours of rapping. I think I think Woodley has 24 hours of, of songs somewhere out there. Even if it's like Bad Freestyles or that fucking terrible Old Town Road cover that he did. Oh my god. Yeah, I think I would have to go with Woodley's rapping. <laughs> Fucking A. Oh, I got another um, DM from Ali Ra here. And... This was interesting. So he said... Which scenario is most likely? One, DC defeats Stipe Miocic and retires as the heavyweight champion. Two, DC defeats Stipe Miocic and goes on to fight John Jones for the light heavyweight title. Three, DC defeats Stipe Miocic and goes on to defend his heavyweight title against John Jones. Um, I'm going to say, first off, as a DC fan, I'm not confident he wins the trilogy. I will, I will have to concede that. I know I had a whole thing about it where I said, you're crazy if you think Stipe is going to win the rematch. But then he did. And just through the way he changed up his game plan, I'm fucking sold on the Stipe train now. Like, I'm still a big... DC still my boy. I love DC. But um, I'm not com- like 100% confident he wins that uh, rematch. However, if we're saying... If we're just talking about these scenarios of if DC wins, I have to go with number one, which is if he beats him and retires. I honestly don't think he's interested in another John Jones fight. If at all, it would be a heavyweight. Like, I definitely don't think he's interested in cutting weight. Like, that's for damn sure. Um, but um, DC, um, if he beats him, I think he's going to retire. You know, I think, like, his, his next fight, like, regardless of the result, I think he's going to retire. And um, next question is from Hinksta. Okay, first off, follow this man. It's, it's H-I-N-X. S-T-A. This guy's a great follow. It's only uh, ever been really positive as far as I can see. Um, and uh, is is a, is a real, like, sort of, I don't want to say historian, but um, curator maybe. Just uh, watching combat sports all around the world, all different promotions all the time. Sort of like a little, like a young Kaposa in that way. Um, he's definitely um, keeping an eye on other things, and uh, I love his tweets. So follow that guy. And he says, who do you feel will have the best 2020s decade? Pick three. Oh, man. This is tough because if you're, if you're projecting for the whole decade, you kind of have to pick, pick a young up-and-comer. So it's almost, it almost has to be someone who 
like you kind of take a gamble on like they maybe have shown a little bit of promise but they haven't like enough like in their career to to go to potentially win fight of the decade next decade you know in 2030 um but that said i've I've picked since my three are like not even that like young up and comers dude in fact two of them are champions i just feel like these are champions that can hold the bell for a really long time um Although honorable mention, I will say, I was thinking about someone like Arnold Allen or Sadiq Youssef, um, maybe even Darren Till. Although I didn't pick Darren Till specifically because of my actual pick in his now weight class. And I'm like, I can't do that. But definitely um, Darren Till would be on the list. Also fucking Robert Whitaker. Like, hell yeah. But my actual picks are... Valentina Shevchenko. I just feel like she has a lot of fights left in her. Um, and I don't see anyone beating her in the foreseeable future. Um, barring maybe a, a trilogy with Amanda Nunes. Um, that's that's really it. But um, I think Valentina holds the belt for a long time. Uh, next up, Israel Adesanya. He's someone, again, I think has a lot of fights left in him. Even though he's had a lot of fights, he's had a lot of combat sports fights in general, like boxing and kickboxing. And um, I, I definitely think Israel is, is going to be, I think he'll go down as one of the greatest fighters of all time. I really do. Call me a stan, but that's how I feel. And then the next one is Kevin Lee, dude. Said it before, I think Kevin Lee's move to TriStar really is going to be the best for him and he just needs that right coach and he's going to be a force to reckon with it's just like al said about kevin lee once ally quinta he said there's no reason why kevin lee shouldn't be a champion but his brain is broken he gets in his own way and uh yeah but great question it's it's a hard question. Like again, I almost picked Molly McCann, but I was like, I can't pick her when I also picked Valentina. You know, <laughs> like I thought Valentina definitely would would be reigning for the for for the next uh, at least five years. That's my prediction anyway. Okay, this next question is from Phil the MMA dude. Shout out to him, the co-host of uh, Split Decision Podcast. Love those guys. He says. Assuming Connor wins next Saturday, who would you like to see him fight next? Or similarly, who should Cowboy fight if he wins? Um, you know what? Honestly, I think what'll probably happen if Connor wins, I think they'll try to make the Masvidal fight. Although, I would like to see personally, like at this point, like would would I mind Masvidal getting a money fight? Hell no. Masvidal has earned that, and I said that before. Um, I'm like, I'm happy that he's getting these big fights. Uh, he's been in the game for a long time. But at this point in Connor's career, like the fact that he, like the only reason I, I think Connor should be fighting for a title uh, at 155, I mean, he for sure, for damn sure, should not be getting a touchdown at 170 ever. Like that talk is crazy to me. Like actually, like if you actually think like, oh, if Connor beats. Um, Cowboy, 170. He should definitely fight for the title. Get the fuck out of here. Ponte un chaleco con bolsillos. Agarra su pinche canteen. Ponte tus pinches zapatos. 
Asuna Caminata. Put on a fucking vest and take a hike. God damn, that gets me fired up. Okay, so for real, <laughs> I would like to see. What I was trying to say is, I would like to see the trilogy with Nate. Like, I think that still has to happen. We still gotta, uh, we still gotta see that play out. And at this point, what I was gonna say with him, uh, like with Khabib being the champion and he lost to Khabib, I have no interest in that rematch. Um, and I think Khabib's probably gonna retire before he would even earn one, like legitimately. Um, not that I think the UFC won't probably give it to him at some point, which is just a fucking shame, but it is what it is. Uh, but I think what like, really should happen is Conor just being like, like fun fights. Like they should use him as like a headliner, like fucking big ass fight with Nate, big ass fight with Jorge, just whatever, get the most out of, out of him before um, the fans turn on him. And then if Cowboy, um, if he wins, that's tough. Like if Cowboy, if Cowboy wins and Pettis also wins, then I I would love to see a rematch between them. Uh, and it's interesting. Like Pettis went up in weight. This is someone I forgot to mention. Like he went up in weight, knocked out Wonder Boy, and then fought Nate at one seventy, lost. I think he's back at one fifty five. Um, so I don't know where they want to be. Obviously, this fight is at 170, but Cowboy recently went back to 155. So they're both kind of all over the place. If they could settle on a fucking weight class, I would love to see Cowboy Pettis too. Um, otherwise, ooh, Cowboy versus Kevin Lee sounds kind of nice. Dude, I wouldn't mind that. All right, and his second question and he says, if Roxy beats Macy, who should she deserve to fight next? And I love this question. First of all, um, it feels like an olive branch. So thank you. And also, I love talking about Roxy. I mean, let's be fair. <laughs> um, third of all, when she beats Macy. Okay. Um, I would like to see, and this is, this is weird to me. So on Twitter... Like weeks before they announced the um, Macy Barber fight, she had a little bit of back, like not a back and forth for real, like a friendly one where they both kind of said like they would fight each other. Roxy was tweeting it like Lauren Murphy. Um, and Lauren Murphy was like, yeah, I'll fight you. Let's let's sign it up. And then they fucking announced Lauren Murphy versus Andrea Lee. Uh, and I was like, what? That fight was right there. And some of you guys may not know this. Roxy has a win over Andrea Lee. So I would love to see her fight the winner of that. Whether it's Lauren Murphy or Andrew Lee. I actually like Andrew Lee in that fight. But I would love to see the Lauren Murphy fight as well. So. You know what? Yeah. I think that's it. That's it. Alright. Great question, Phil. Thank you. So let's now venture into the Twitter forum. First question is from my man, Joe Bloggs 74 He says, what about this trend where you typed like this? Like where every other letter is capitalized. It's like, shut up, you're casual. Uh, I got to say, Joe, I fucking do that shit all the time. Not all the time, obviously. Like I don't, uh, I feel like I don't abuse it. But I love doing that shit. Like when people... People say like, oh, no one listens to your fucking podcast. I'll type in like, oh, no one listens to the podcast. It's just like a great way of like mocking them for saying some dumb shit. Uh, 
So if everyone did it all the time, it would be annoying as shit because it looks like a fucking ransom note. Oh, side note, dude. The fucking poster for UFC Rio Rancho came out, and that's horseshit. Shame on the UFC for thinking that's a good poster, dude. The fucking names of the main event is like skewed, first of all. It's like like a skew. Like why? Second of all, you got the fucking letters for the rest of it, like... It looks like it was compiled from like cl- clippings of a magazine, like a goddamn ransom note, like where it's like different fonts, like for every letter and different sizes. Ugh. So bad, dude. If I was in New Mexico and there are like the people in, in my Twitter that are from New Mexico are the ones that were like really balking at it, I'll be fucking pissed. Like you had such a great opportunity to do like a Breaking Bad theme poster and they fucking missed the boat. You fucked up. You blew it. UFC, you blew it. Anyways. <laughs> Joe Bloggs also says, or typing Connor wrong. I mean, Connor. Sorry. Connor, Connor. Like the different spellings of Connor McGregor. That's the funniest shit to me. Again, I'm sorry. Like, like if, if someone does it for real and they think it's spelled wrong, like, I've definitely, heard, like, seen Connor fans spell it wrong. And I want to be like, bro. But then I also don't want to be like, feel like I care too much. So sometimes I'll fucking go even worse. Like, if someone corrects, like, if I use it wrong and someone corrects me, and I'm like, ah, uh, no, I'm pretty sure it's this. And I'll, or I'll even go even worse. Like, spell with a fucking K. Because that's what you do when Connor is a shitbird. All right, this next question is from Pete Bagels, my man, Pete Bagels, at Bagels Pete. He says, the long-standing heavyweight trend of once getting the title, defending it once every 18 years. I don't care if Stipe is hurt again, take it from him. Funny how Randy's old ass could fight whenever, but these other kids are always hurt. I got to say, dude, I disagree. Stipe had a hard fight with DC where they were both banged up. And he had an eye injury, which needs healing. But his last reign, dude, his last reign, he was pretty active. He knocked out Fabrice Verdum in, what was that, May? It was UFC 198. Then he turned around September of that year, fought at 203. He fought um, Alistair Overeem, knocked him the fuck out, bounced his head off the canvas. And then who did he fight after? He fought JDS. That was 211. Um, that was in May of that year again. And then he fought fucking Francis Ngannou uh, January of the following year, UFC 220. Then they booked him against Daniel Cormier July of that year. And then he and by the way, after he fought Francis, like the same week, he fucking went right into like filming the Ultimate Fighter with DC. So the man is active. I think. To be honest, like DC wasn't an inactive heavyweight champion. I think that's why maybe we kind of sour on the whole thing. Like it kind of feels like we didn't get DC as a heavyweight champion for a while. Um, yeah, I mean he fucking well he fought Derek Lewis like on short notice. That was cool, but um, then he was injured like his back. He had the whole surgery where he was waiting. So yeah, I think just injuries uh, have been plaguing them, which I don't begrudge them for. Um, normally I dis normally I agree with P Bagels like really like hardcore. I'm like yeah fuck yeah P Bagels, but this one I'm like no I don't get it. 
I don't get it. All right, this is uh, from MMA Mental. Shout out to this guy, at Scotland underscore MMA. This guy's one of the most positive people on Twitter that's like active all the time, you know? Like one of the fucking most positive guys. He says, bit sick of seeing fighters like Ben... <laughs> and of course he's complaining after I say that. Because <laughs> we're talking about trends, like bad trends, good trends. He says, bit sick of seeing fighters like Benavidez and Sterling... Uh, and a welterweight division that's now going to be blocked even more with Masvidal stalling his title fight for Connor and other fighters having to wait till the divas at the top start moving. Prime's a short window and they must earn. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta agree, dude. This goes with my whole gripe at the top of the show about, um, about super fights and the whole championship thing. Like, they're fun as fuck, but that's kind of why I think like super fights should, should just be with like non-champions, kind of. Like, you know what I mean? Or, like I said earlier, you have to fucking vacate if you want to um, change weight classes. So, love that. Love that question. I and, I and I agree. That's not really a question, it was just a trend. Which is the topic of this show. Alright, this is from Eamon at Team Flummo 2. Dude, I love this guy. He got suspended for a little bit, and I, and it said, like, the account is no more or something like that. And I was like, no, we lost one of the best accounts on here. These fucking shitbirds that are reporting these tweets when they need to be fucking reported, dude. The reporters are reporting. We got to get them. We got to get them. And I know there's people that are trying to do that, and I hope they succeed. And if you're listening and you are part of that, you can always count on me. Even if you think you can't. And even if some people in that group blocked me. No hard feelings. Uh, But back to this, Eamon says, Super Googlers should be a topic. Like, come on, I know every stat about every fighter ever. I roll emoji, but I want drama in my life to make it more exciting. Enjoy the fights for what they are and relax. Super Googlers, dude. Yeah, I got to agree. Like, I'd rather, like, if someone has to look up a stat, you should be able to say, like, oh, I did a quick Google search to find this. Because we don't all fucking know everything. I don't know if that's even a trend, but it was funny to me when I read it. All right, this next question is from the Raging Sweet Potato, all the way from the northern wilds of Canada. He says, please talk about the growing trend of low calf kicks in MMA and how Douglas Lima is the best example of how effective of a technique it is. Hashtag Bink. You dropped a great gif of the fucking MVP knockout, dude. Join this. Dude, from this angle, to be honest with you, I just looked at it and I'm like, dude, was that it? was that even final blow legal, dude? I guess it depends on where they were fighting. Uh, they probably made a big deal about it on the broadcast, and I fucking don't remember because I have a limited brain. I don't know. Um, I want to say this, dude. I was having a conversation on Twitter one day with the freelance goon, who is the shit, by the way. Love that guy. And he um, was saying that how Rogan always says the low calf kick was started by Benson Henderson. And he says whenever people try and say that, he always says, like, no, it was Ricardo Arona in Pride. So, uh, shouts to him for that little bit of MMA trivia. And, um, yeah, dude, I love it. 
You know what doesn't get talked about enough when you talk about like brutalizing leg kick performances? Jeremy Stevens against Gilbert Melendez. He beat the fucking brakes off that leg. He kicked that leg like it owed him money. I guess he rescheduled his fucking uh, wedding for that fight or maybe his honey. I think it was his wedding, actually. Um, and uh, it was like he was like taking that out on, on Gilbert's leg. Like, fuck you. You don't make me miss my fucking wedding. Fuck you. He, I think he landed like 27 leg kicks. To the fucking leg. Oh my god. But yeah, Douglas Lima is pretty fucking, uh, pretty much the master of it. And uh, I, I, I kind of like it because it's just like a quick little whip and it and, and it's, takes away some of your movement. Like, uh, obviously, Alexander Volkanovsky did it really well against Aldo and um, more specifically Max. Um, like, really well against Max, sadly. But, um, yeah, I know, I know, uh, RSP is really big on Dougie Lima, as he likes to say, but yeah, it's fucking, I don't want to say it's like next level, but it's definitely like the new thing. It's for sure a trend in MMA and it's, uh, like I kind of miss now that like everyone does the, the, the calf kick now, like I kind of miss a good like leg kick to the thigh. Like I used to, I used to like miss when they were like, look at his leg, look at how beat up it is. And it would just be like fucking all red and shit. That's so, like, sadistic of me to be like, yeah, love it. That's me. I'm a fucking weirdo like that. But great question. Shouts to Raging Sweet Potato. Really hope you uh, start that uh, podcast soon. And I will tune the fuck in. All right, this next question is from Zoe, yours truly, my man Zoe. Dude, I love this guy's fucking podcast. And I love whatever he uh, does his podcast. So shout out a couple of, uh, of MMA podcasts. And he'll be like, I love y'all podcasts. It's <laughs> the best. Love this guy. He says, calling for big money fights. I'm all in for fighters getting the most money possible. But when everybody is calling out Connor, GSP, or Brock after winning one fight... Ah, uh, yes, dude. Same fucking energy. Again, that should definitely go away, but it's so apropos right now. I I hate this. I hate it. It reminds me of an old um, Zach Galifianakis joke. And he was like saying, people don't boo. Be more specific. Say, why are you doing that? I hate that. <laughs> that goes for fucking five fans as well. Stop wooing, number one. I should have talked about that because that's fucking annoying as shit. Also, don't boo. First of all, I hate booing in general, but be more specific. Say, no, sit down. I hate you. Something like that. Be more specific. Fucking A. Dude, these money fights, again, I'm, I'm, I'll be happy when the money fight era is gone. Like, we are somewhat getting back to it. Like, initially, like, okay, I, I gotta be honest. Like, what initially happened, like, why the reason why there were so many money fights is that the sale happened, right? The UFC sold for $4.2 billion or whatever the number was. Four point something billion. Like, I heard 4.6, I heard 4.1, 4.2. 4.2 seems to be the most common. But, um, 
It sold to WMEIMG for that much, along with a couple other shareholders. And they had this like big nut that they had to fucking get back. They owed a bunch of debt from that. And so they had to make up that money. And I think now they've sort of done that or at least got close. So now they're kind of like, okay, let's get shit back on track. Let's fucking go back to the Joe Silva days. Um, and uh, let's get these fucking fights that people want to see and not like money fight. I mean, money fights are obviously fights that certain people want to see. You're definitely catering to a certain audience. But your hardcore fight, your loyal fan base, like, let's get back to, like, pleasing us, please. Like, seriously, UFC, get it together. All right, this next question is from Pat Tobin. He says, please give your thoughts on the trend of guys winning a belt and wanting to jump weight classes without ever defending their belt. Yes. First of all, shout out to Pat Tobin, man. I always see his uh, questions on the Split Decision Podcast, and they're fucking legit as as shit. Like, this guy's awesome. Now that he's talking about it, he's not, um, all, like, always on Twitter a lot, I feel, but he's definitely, like, supportive of us content creators and for sure has, like, good takes. Yes, dude. This winning a belt and then wanting to, like, jump around, like, I think they should fucking institute a rule. I mean, again, I like the idea of, like, you have to to vacate it to move but if you're not going to do that like that would for sure preclude i mean not for sure but probably preclude people from doing it after just barely winning it but it would like if not that get a fucking rule in place where you have to have like at least five defenses before you change weight classes because then you wouldn't have people doing it all the time like you have like in just about every division, when when there's a new champion, there's clear-cut contenders in line. There's either a potential rematch with the champion, or maybe that champion has to get like one fight and then get back in the mix, or there's someone else who was waiting in line who deserved a spot as well. Like there's so many like fights to be made that people like just going up to a champion it fucks both divisions. It fucks both divisions. And I already kind of talked about this, but I like the way you you, uh, worded it. Yeah. Not a fan of that. Again, I was initially, but it's just, it's gotten tired. Like, it's no longer special. It's no longer special, and it's just, like, not, like, a thing. You can tell I'm from California because they say, like, all the time. I should change my name to I say like a lot instead of I say dude a lot. <laughs> um, all right. So this next question is from Dave Fretz, my man, Dave Fretz. So first of all, definitely check him out because he makes some awesome shoes, like with some awesome art in general, and he puts that art on shoes. It's pretty great. He doesn't make the shoes, but he makes awesome art on shoes. It's legit. And um, his question is the growing portion of the entertainment side of the business. These cringe characters are killing me. So I have to be honest here and say that in general, I am very much interested in the entertainment aspect of this business. Like if you're just a good fighter, but you don't have any mic skills, you don't market yourself in a certain way, I'm not as interested. 
Um, the only person who was like, who has not a lot of my skills necessarily and isn't necessarily interesting outside the cage, who I fucking love because of their fighting style is Muslim Salikov, the king of Kung Fu. I'll be that fucking guy's biggest fan, dude. I'll fucking be his mouthpiece. Like Paul Heyman, dude. If he, if he or his team is looking, I will fucking cut a promo like a motherfucker after his fights because that guy's the shit. But anyone else, dude, you're boring. That's how I feel about it. But it took, when you talk about cringe characters like Colby and Henry, I'm absolutely on that fucking wavelength with you. But that to me is a side effect of of this era, which or, or of the that aspect of the business which I enjoy. So I can't necessarily say I, that trend is, is something that I I don't like. But definitely the cringe, dude. I, and how about fighters making their own promo videos as well, like? Sometimes it's good. Like they, there have been some good ones in the past, but not these fucking ones from Henry for damn sure. Not the ones from Colby for damn sure. And definitely, I guess just those. But also, like as much as I love Jose Aldo, his like one by Henry where he was like on the shooting range like what are you gonna bring a gun to the octagon come on dude like some of it's like okay um but um I will say someone made a video and I didn't catch the whole thing I saw like a little portion of it and I had again I can't find this video anymore but I heard them talking about on the MMA Marks podcast so shout out those guys um but also fuck them because they, they say fuck you juice in every episode. So fuck them. Um, but also I love them. Um, I guess Usman, you know, Usman said like, who is Jorge Masvidal or whatever? Um, you know, he's been said like, who is that? Who is Jorge Masvidal? He, someone cut together a video. Maybe it was Jorge and his team. I can't remember. But someone cut together a video of fucking all the times... That he has said like, oh, Jorge's a bad dude or whatever. <laughs> it's like, ha. Like shit like that is good. Um, like sometimes I feel like like fighters, if they want to do that shit, they should really like partner up with someone like Axiom Films or my man Kairos. Someone who's fucking making like those like super like edited well, like bomb ass like promo videos. And just be like, hey, do this for me. Like, you, are you going to tell me you would not want to see Kairos in the fucking octagon hyping up Macy Chasson as if, like, she needs a translator? Like, the was like, how was that fight? And Kairos would be like, you know how that fight was. Just, like, that's the shit I want to see, dude. <laughs> going off on a bit of a tangent here. All right. Uh, this next question is from Tricky Ricky. It's at Ricky ST57862334. <laughs> now he says, um, specialists still dominating belts as a trend. Yes, dude. It's so interesting. Like, how that trend has sort of moved over the years where it was like initially the UFC started because of specialists and finding out what's the thing and and then then the trend was like like wrestlers like wrestlers dominated for a while 
you know, I will say first it was a jujitsu guy in, in hoist, and then it was like wrestlers dominated, and then it was like, oh, you had to be more well-rounded because like, they figure once you can stop the takedown, like wrestlers, you know, if you couldn't fucking if couldn't get you down, you're fucked in the feet, and now it's sort of like I think we're still in the realm where everyone wants to be well-rounded, but we're kind of in the realm where specialists are making a comeback, like. I think you have to have one thing that you do really well. Like Izzy is a fucking world-class kickboxer. Where he trains everything. He trains his wrestling and setups and his jiu-jitsu. He got Kelvin in some positions. He swept him and all that stuff. I don't think he swept him. I don't know what I'm saying. But, you know, he definitely had him in the triangle and the guillotine. Like, he ha- trains other things. But his fucking bread and butter, like where he's most comfortable, is like kickboxing. And that's the shit. And obviously Habib um, has, you know, quote unquote underrated stand up. Um, and, you know, he fucking hit Connor with that big overhand ride, but his bread and butter is the, the fucking wrestling and just like wrestle fucking people. So, and even Usman, I would say, is like in that sort of similar vibe. Um, so, specialists are definitely making a comeback. And it's, and it's, been interesting to watch. Like I think we're gonna see more of that where um specialists that also excel in other areas uh succeed. Cause off the top of my head, like I can only think of one champion that's like a completely well rounded fighter, and that's John Jones. Um like in in the UFC obviously I mean uh well Demetrius isn't a champion yet and won because that thing he won was just like a tournament it wasn't like for the championship even though they gave him like this massive belt um so yeah great question or a great uh trend there oh and this last one dude this is a great fucking uh trend shout out to executive branch for this question that's at executive underscore branch without the h i think it's probably because of the 15 character limit um he says interim championships defender vacate motherfucker <laughs> yes i'm i'm sort of torn on this because like i would rather an interim belt like i don't hate i didn't hate the interim belts at first like i would rather an interim belt than a champ champ like super fight although usually that's the reason for it is because we're getting you know a champion fight, so you're making like a number one contender's belt for when they come back, kind of a thing. Um, but now that it's like played out, I'm like, yeah, could do without interim championships. Because what you have is like, then you have someone who's a distinction of being a champion. Like, the only reason I'm okay with it, to be honest with you, like, I can, I'm definitely, I can admit my bias here. Like, the fact that Dustin Poirier can say he held the UFC gold at one point, that's fucking worth it to me. <laughs> For, for that, for certain things. Um, uh, and like Izzy won the interim and then he unified it. So like that, like things like that are great. Where you can have like a unit. I love a good unification bout as well. So I'm kind of mixed on it. But for them, like there was a while there where they were throwing these interim belts like candy. And like it's a fucking problem, dude. When you have fighters that are calling for an interim fight. Like fighters shouldn't want that. Like People tout it as like they call it a fake belt. They call it a toy belt. 
you shouldn't have fighters being like, I want to, I'm calling you out for an interim fight. I'm like, dude, that's so lame. That's so lame. If you, that's like, that's like not liking Molly McCann. Like if you don't like Molly McCann, you think interim belts are cool. I always have to have at least one of those per episode. And I was worried that I wasn't going to have one. Uh, but yeah, that fucking wraps up this forum segment. Um, if you want to participate in the forum, you can follow me at, on Twitter at FWM underscore pod. Always, uh, every, you know, the day before I record, I'm, I'm always putting out this post for the forum. We're doing it on fight nights. Um, you know, obviously there's no fights this week, but on fight nights, I try and do it like right before the main event. So that we can um, get that going. And uh, you can always, at any time, dude, uh, you can DM me. I mean, that's not my favorite way to receive questions, but I will always take them and and never stop if that's what you like to do. Um, But you can also always download the Anchor app and find me on there, find it with myself, um, and hit message. And you can leave a a little voicemail, kind of, which is what uh, you heard earlier this is your first time listening so thank you guys so much all right guys it's finally here ufc 246 could not be more excited for this fight every single fight on this card has something i'm interested in and we are going to cover every single fight because i don't always do that i only do it for the cards that i really invested in because i can't Fake passion. I'll never fake an orgasm and I'll never fake passion. Now, you might have heard that and turned off this podcast. So if you're still listening, thank you. Uh, Sabina Mazo is taking on J.J. Aldrich for the first fight of the night. And man, dude, after um, Sabina's last fight, uh, I think she fought Shayna Dobson. She beat the brakes off, off that girl, man. That was amazing to watch. And it really also showed me that she's like kind of working on all aspects of her game. Uh, she's become one of the more well-rounded fighters in that division. And um, I, I don't know if it's going to be a situation where I'm kind of just like, it's like, like MMA is such a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately sport. Like, J.J. Aldrich's last fight, she got... Um, you know, I think TKO technically or whatever stopped by Macy Barber. So uh, for that reason, I'm kind of like, eh, but maybe she, you know, bounces back and has a good camp and is more motivated and, I don't know, whatever. But right now, based on their last performances and just, not just because Sabina won and JJ didn't, just like the, the fucking crispness and the well-roundedness of the game, I gotta go with Sabina Mazo on this one. I think she I think she gets it done against JJ Aldrich. And um the next fight, man, Brian Kelleher versus Ode Osborne. Might be O'Day, I'm not sure. Um, but dude, I said before, I'm a Brian Kelleher fan. His last performance wasn't great, but we're not gonna talk about that right now. Because we're gonna keep it positive on people we like. <laughs> Dude, Brian Kelleher is the shit in terms of just him as a dude and um, his last fight. I mean, sorry, 
his last couple fights in the UFC. Um, he, he's shown promise. I think he really has. And I think he's going to get back on track with this. Um, I really do. I got him beating um, Osborne in this. I like I like him in, in this fight. Um, I also like this next fight, Tim Elliott versus Oscar Askarov. Now, Oscar Askarov lost to Brandon Moreno. And even if that's not what the record says, that's what I'm saying. And whilst I picked him, because he was undefeated, I'm not picking him this time. As a matter of fact, I don't think I'm ever going to pick against him. I was so sour about that. Uh, but I also love Tim Elliott, dude. Um, I'm a fan of this guy. His fight with Demetrius Johnson is one of my favorite Demetrius fights. Um, like that and the Ray Borg fire are just money. Um, so I love Tim Elliott. I love his fucking personality. I love the way he is with his daughter. Um, I just love Tim Elliott. And um, I always like to root for guys that trained with uh, Robert Follis. Because uh, it was so heartbreaking and um and when um tim dedicated him after he won i don't know if that was his last fight is that is that how long it's been since he's been active but he definitely um shouted out uh you know in tribute to robert fallis when he um when he won the the fight that happened after robert's death and uh don't want to take a dark turn here but um i love tim elliott and i want him to win so i'm gonna pick him now the next fight if i had to pick one fight on this card that doesn't do it for me and in terms of like excitement or, or whatever and it doesn't have anything going on for me which is why i said i might skip this one to go to the bar early is alex kamore hope i'm pronouncing that right uh, against Justin Ledet. Now, do I know who Alex Kamer is? No. Do I know who Justin Ledet is? Yes. I, in fact, I, he did better at heavyweight, so I don't know why he's uh, light heavyweight. But um, my point is, do I know who Alex Kamer is? No. But I'm going to pick him because Justin Ledet is a flat earther. And that's not okay. The earth is round. So I hope Alex Kamor sends him to the canvas. That was unnecessarily harsh, and I'm sorry. But I wanted to make a flat earther joke, and that was it. But also, the earth is round. The earth is fucking round. <laughs> um, all right, the next fight is uh, uh, Chas Skelly versus Grant Dawson. This, if it weren't for the fact that like it's competing against like Sadiq Youssef and uh, Sadiq Youssef, Andre Feely, and Fajera Pettis, like this could be the fucking fight of the night. Uh, Chas Skelly always comes to to fight, and um, he's someone I will never count out. He makes like he has like exciting grappling. Like he he definitely has like a grappling heavy game plan. But it's exciting as shit. I think he did that like... Was it him or his opponent? It was definitely in his last fight. I can't remember if it was him or his opponent where someone had had their back and they tried to like flip and get him off. Like that was awesome. 
Like those scrambles, like he fucking like lives in that world. My favorite Chai Skelly fight is the, I think the Maximo Blanco fight. He ran out and fucking tried to front kick him in the face. I think it like only landed in his chest because he didn't get enough height on it. But he like did like a flying jump kick to the fucking, well, like I said, try to the face. And then he wrapped up an anaconda choke. It was like a 20 second victory. I was like, damn. Ever since then, I've been like, fuck yeah, Chas Kelly. And he had that great fight with uh, Jason Knight. And Jason Knight was like, shout out to Chas Kelly. Got more heart than anyone I fought. I heard his arm snap. That's going to hurt in the morning. That was, by the way, not that good of a Jason Knight impersonation. But it was better than most people. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, all right. So I was, obviously I got Chas Kelly. I don't know if I if that was clear by the fact that I said I love Chas Kelly. So Chas Kelly to beat Grand Dawson, um, I think is the right call. Grand Dawson has some good wins, um, but I think the 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 competition is not where like Chas Kelly has fought, and I think Chas Kelly is another level than those guys. So uh, that's why I got Chas Kelly in this. Um, now the next. Uh, fight is Nasrat Hakparast, a.k.a. the Kelvin Gastelum lookalike versus Drew Dober. Now, did I say well, Drew Dober's last fight that I would be more keen to pick him? Yes. Because did I count him out against uh, Marco Polo Reyes? Yes, I did. However... I still think Nasrat has what it takes to get it done. Um, he's he's a guy I like a lot. I think he, he trains in TriStar uh, with Faraz, and it's just he he's got like one of the more well-rounded games, I think. And I just like I like his fighting style. So I gotta go with Nasrat on this one. Now Sadiq Yusuf versus Andre Fili is gonna be a fucking banger of a card. As I'm looking at his fucking picture on this thing, dude, I'm really thinking Shane Terra's right. His tattoos are terrible, dude. I don't want to say I could do better tattoos than that, but if I went to school to be a tattoo artist, I would do better than that. Um, so, yeah, I got to pick Sadiq Yusuf. Although I will say, like, tattoos aside, um, I did struggle with this pick. I, like... Like, Andre Feely has had some good performances recently where it's like, damn, he seems, like, more motivated, like, something about him. Because, like, I for sure, I'm not going to lie, like, kind of wrote Andre Feely off when he got knocked the fuck out by Yair Rodriguez in, like, the, like a flying fucking ninja kick. I was like, dude. But um, he's been really putting it together recently. So he also has the reach over Sadiq, if I'm not mistaken. Or he's just bigger in general. Um like he's he's definitely big for that division, so it, it could be a, a tough fight for Sadiq. I do see this going the distance probably, or if there's a finish, it happens maybe in the third round. But um, I gotta go with my man Sadiq. Um, I really like that guy. All right, you know what's next. If you're if you're listening to this podcast, you're following along. You know I'm going in order of this card, top to bottom, and you know what's next, dude. It is the headliner of the prelims. And that is my girl, Roxanne, the happy warrior, Mata Fairy, taking on 
the troll, a.k.a. La Frankie Munez, a.k.a. Catch Me Outside, How About That, a.k.a. Bad Babby, a.k.a. On My Fucking Shit List, dude. And not just because of this fight. I want to be very clear about that. I have not been on the Macy Barber train like a lot of you guys. I debated with this on Ray's open plot of soup when I went on there for the first time. I'm fucking done with this bitch. I don't like the way she carries herself. I think it's like fucking high school shit, the way she talks. Uh, I, I don't like her, like anything about her, dude. Not a fan. I told, dude, I talked to someone I know I like I don't like when people air the DMs. So I won't say this person's name. But I was talking to them and they're like, why do you hate Macy Barber so much? Like, is it because of the page events thing? And I was like, no, dude. It is not that. It is everything. And, and then I also said, you know what? And this is true. Like n- nothing. And I don't never want to say never. Like things can happen, things can change my mind. Nothing can turn turn me around on her. I've made my decision. Like, nope, I'm fucking done with Macy Barber. She could message me. She could message me being like, hey, I don't know why you hate me so much. I actually listen to your podcast and you're really funny. And I would respond, you know what? I don't want your listenership. Please don't listen. Because, number one, I want to talk my shit. So if she tells me she listens, like, I don't want you, I don't need you to hear, like, like regardless of what I think about you, if you're a fighter, like, you don't need to hear me talking my shit. So, so don't listen to my podcast. <laughs> But, that said, you already know, dude. Roxanne Modafferi gets this done. Come on, dude. And I don't care if, uh, you know, you guys want to roast me for this pick. I get it. I think about fight picks differently than the rest of MMA Twitter. I pick with my heart, 100%. I have absolutely no shame in that and this doesn't fucking like it blows my mind now that i've been like engaging with more like football fans and stuff and and talking about like football with people people are so blinded by their fandom of their team that they will back their team 100 percent. yet when it comes to like mma uh they like well you gotta look at the facts bro uh excuse me sir excuse me no fuck your facts Roxanne gets this done. I'm going to say third round submission. How do you like them apples, dude? Fuck out of here with any other picks. If you pick Macy, but we fighting. We fighting. I can't. All right. So that's those are the prelims. Now I move on to the main card. And this main card, as far as like pay per views go, like if if this is why people were saying like, oh, you see, two forty six is trash or whatever, that's fine if you wanted to say about in terms of it being a pay per view. But in terms of just like action, first of all, like those prelims are fucking money. But the main card is awesome. So you got opening up the main card is Diego Fajeda versus. Anthony Pettis. This is going to be an, an amazing fight. I, I I don't see any other outcome unless Diego like knocks him out quick, or or Pettis. To be fair, you know, not to shit on him, but I think if anyone does get a finish, it will be Diego. That's how I kind of see this, and uh, that's my pick. I'm going to pick Diego Fajeda, not necessarily to finish, 
but but I think it's going to be an amazing fight. Um, like the way Diego Fajera beat um, Mirbek Tysimov, he made me a believer. He made me a believer. I'm I'm on the Diego train now. Like I already thought he was good, but I thought Mirbek was better. And the way he beat Mirbek, I'm like, no, dude, Diego's the man. That's it, dude. And Pettis, I think he's he doesn't want to cut weight anymore. I think that's why he went up to 170. Like I think he's not sure where he's at in his career. Kind of, he's already been the champion. He's been on the wheeze box. He's been the highest of highs. So I think I I don't know what I I I just question that a little bit. I probably shouldn't, but um, that's what I that's where I'm at with this. All right, and the next fight up is Alex. Let's run that back. Alexa Grasso taking on Claudia Gadelia. First of all, I said it before, and I just want to reiterate: Claudia Gadelia's last performance was a stinker, absolute stinker. I blame both of them. I blame Miranda Marcos and Claudia Gadelia for that. Um. But it seemed like, you know, she was going through a tough time and that she just needed to get a win. Like, she was super emotional afterwards. And I think she's newly been training with Mark Henry. Like, I'm not sure if that was her first fight under Mark Henry's tutelage or not. Um, but uh, I gotta go with Alexa Grasso on this one. I just think, like, she is more dynamic. And initially, like, okay, so I used to be, a like, a, a believer in Claudia, for sure. Like, she... Uh, when she fought like Karolina Kovalkiewicz, she just like took her down and had her way with her like instantly. And um, that's the Claudia I want to see. That's the Claudia I want to see who who doesn't necessarily like want to try and work her stand up or whatever. Like the Claudia that's like, hey, we're going to fucking, you're going to play my game. And we're going to wrestle and we're going to fucking, the Luta Libre and the fucking BJJ. That's what I want to fucking see. Out of Claudia Gadelia. I don't know if we're going to see that. That said, the way Alexa Grasso was dealing with um, Carla Esparza's um, wrestling and uh, the way her she fucking did not tap on that armbar, I have no idea why. Whoa. Gotta pick Alexa. Um, dude. Now, now we come to this next fight. The Crochet Boss. Maurice Green. Versus Alexia Olenek. And I gotta say. I was picking Alexi. I was. Because I am a fan of that guy as well. When he came in with that Ezekiel choke. I was like. This guy's fucking next level. And I saw him. Um, I saw him uh, choke out Travis Brown at UC 213. And then he went on Ariel's show afterward. And he, he was like. It was through a translator, but he was saying, like, it was kind of like, I think officially they called it a rear naked choke because he was in that position as far as, like, getting his, like, head uh, in that. But it was kind of from the side, so it was a little bit of a weird angle. And then um, on Ariel's show, he was like, no, it was actually, like, more from what I was doing with my legs. Like, he had him, like, it wasn't a body triangle. He was, like, 
squeezing his legs, like almost like when you see people trying to like crush watermelons, like where they have kind of have them crossed and you're squeezing the thighs together. Like he was doing that on fucking Travis Brown's rib cage. And now I'm like, oh shit, it probably was that. This guy's a fucking genius on the ground. Um, so that said, I think Maurice Green has the length and he can fight with that length and keep him at bay. Um, and keep it standing and maybe get a knockout. So going with Crochet Boss. Well, oh, what I was going to say is I, I uh, was inspired by Mixed Demand's um, fandom for him. Because I'm like, you know what? Fuck yeah, I do like that guy a lot. So fuck yeah, Maurice Green. All right. Um, co-main event. Holly Holm versus Raquel Pennington. This is a rematch. They fought before, and it's weird. They, they're both, they're kind of at different weird, weird stages of their career. Um, they both lost to Amanda Nunes. And um, that, uh, that Nunes fight for Pennington was hard to watch, dude. When they sent her back in to the fifth round after she said she quit, some of the worst cornering I've ever seen in my life. Um, and they booked this fight originally for 243 and then, um, I forget who, maybe it was Holly, but one of them got injured and they had to move it. And I'm glad because this was like pretty soon after, um, Holly Holm got knocked the fuck out by Amanda Nunes. So I was, when they announced it, I was like, whoa, that's a little quick. So the fact that they've, they've given this much time, I think I got Holly the edge on here. Plus, I love Holly, you know. This is another one where I'm, like, not going to pick against um, some of my favorites. And Holly's Holly's definitely up there somewhere. somewhere um, Ashley MMA nerds listening going, like, yeah, Holly. Um, okay. Now, we just got to rip it off. Band-Aid. Got to go with uh, Cowboy Cerrone and Conor McGregor. The co-main event. And... As I did shamelessly admit on this podcast, Conor McGregor is a big reason of why I started watching MMA. I mean, the first the first big reason was Bully Beatdown. That's why I loved Jason Mayhem Miller. Um, but then Conor really got me like to be like following it. Um, but uh, going with what I said about the trends uh, of um, you know separating the art from the artist, I can't, dude. Him acting like a fucking child, smashing that fan's phone, which is just absolutely shitty. The fucking allegations of the assault, him punching the old man in the bar. I'm fucking done with this guy, dude. I'm fucking done. You blew it. That said, it is one of those things where I could see this being a quick fight where Connor gets a first round KO or a second round KO. But the fact that it's at 170 gives me reason to think Cowboy uh, has more of a chance in this one. And not because of the whole chin thing, like they say when you um, uh, deplete your body more of a of a weight cut, you're, you're more susceptible to a knockout, which I think is true to an extent. But... Cowboy's more proven at this weight class. You know, Cowboy went, like, on this, like, four-fight run where he was just beating, like, like killers. 
um, at 170. Had some amazing fights there. And I just think, like, Cowboy maybe should continue his career at 170. Like, I like the story of him going back down at 155 to make another run at the title where he was, like, putting together. Like, if he if he had to beat Tony, like, the, he for sure would be fighting Khabib. You know what I mean? Uh, so he was, like, this close. Um, but now now that he's kind of, like, gotten to that point, I think he, if he fights, uh, continues to fight, he should kind of stay at 170. Um, and I got... Just get it out there. I got him winning. I'm picking Cowboy. I fucking... I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna beat Connor. I don't know what round. This could even go the distance. I could see this being an all-out war. And I don't care if you think I'm a clown for saying that. And that concludes this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. What a fucking ride this was. I feel so so glad to have you guys back in my life. I feel so glad. I'm so glad to be back in your life. And um so glad the UFC is back in our lives. Fucking A, dude. Just like Hayden said, never do that shit again, UFC. Never do that shit again. Never do that fucking shit again, UFC. And I would just like to end um uh in this show by saying best of luck to Roxanne Modafferi. Uh if you're listening, uh I don't know why. Because uh, this podcast is goddamn ridiculous. Um, but um, much love to you and your family. And um, much love to you and your family. To anyone listening to this podcast actually. Um, you guys know I like to try and be positive. And um, that's really because. You know I, I, I tend to get bogged down with the negativity of the world. And um, obviously I do suffer from depression. Which I have talked about before. So when I when I make an effort to be positive on the, on on Twitter or on this show it's really to force myself into it. It's not like I'm some like happy go lucky guy all fucking sunshine and rainbows all the time. Sometimes shit is definitely not that. So but that said you guys are a big part of my um you know mental health in terms of getting it back on track. And I want to thank you, anyone who talks about the podcast. It fucking makes my day whenever, um, you know, people are, like, tweeting about it. And, uh, like, I don't know, it just it really means the world to me. And people sending me reviews. Um, some people send me, sometimes people send me a review and, like, a screenshot that they left on um, Apple, Tune, Apple Tunes, <laughs> fucking a, Apple Podcasts or iTunes. But it doesn't, for some reason, show up. But believe me, like, it's notice like the the thought is worth it it's there and um i appreciate every single one of you and uh without further ado uh you can follow me on social media fwm pod fwm underscore pod on twitter and instagram and um if you want to fuck with me on on uh the twitter scene i'm not really active on that account um, the FWM pod one anymore. Um, so you can follow me at Aaron ish Jackson and, um, follow Roxy. She needs your support. I know a lot of you have messaged me. Hey, I'm picking Macy. Oh, we got beef. Yeah, we got beef. 
Anyway, I love you guys. So I'm just going to end the show right now and say good night and good fights. <laughs>